0: Hello, Avengers, Guardians, and Celestials. Welcome to the Kibbles and Boys podcast, brought to you by your hosts, Harlan and Sam. We are two lifelong bros who survived being raised as sheltered homeschool kids and now seek to connect in adulthood through this low-budget podcast. Kibbles and Boys aims to deliver high-flavor content on topics that interest us, such as media, current events, and science.
1: Welcome to the Kibbles and Boys show. going to be huge and i am burdened with glorious purpose you'll crunch it chomp it absolutely devour it
0: this place is like dr seuss's worst nightmare welcome to outer space class today we conclude our wide-ranging discussion on something very near and dear to us the marvel cinematic universe Oh what's up, Ooh, boy!
1: Hey man, I'm uh, I'm excited for a, another episode of doing this with you. This has uh, definitely been a little bit of a break between the last episode and this one, uh, for a variety of reasons.
0: Yeah, what has it been? It's <laughs> so, oh, has it been a month?
1: It's been about a month. Yeah, I mean, so there was, um, you know, I came down with a pretty nasty case of COVID. You had the shoulder surgery, which I know you're recovering from.
0: Yep, got my um, arm in a sling. <laughs> yeah you went to the er I, dude that was rough
1: yeah it was one night and i, I think i could have uh gone over it by myself it was just the dehydration was was crazy so i <laughs> won't get the nitty gritty but yeah some very very uh unfun symptoms
0: and they gave uh, you the super soldier serum and you got all back up to normal
1: yeah super soldier serum being steroids and morphine yeah that's true <laughs> but uh yeah, and then uh, while I was uh, in the ER, you and your wife were hiking a mountain in Africa, yeah. which was pretty cool. That's
0: what I do whenever you're <laughs> so. in danger. I decide what's the furthest possible place on earth I can go to, so I don't have to worry about you.
1: That's it, did it work? No,
0: I kept coming back to you.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And actually, I, I do have to call you out on that. I mean, in a, a really hilarious way because I didn't know that you were in Africa, I mean, really until you were halfway through the trip. And then you told me about when you got back. But uh, for anybody who listens to this, you know, Harlan's wife going to Africa, I've never left the country. So I consider going to another continent a big deal. Harlan told me that him and his wife were going on a hike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I so mean, it technically, it you know, was <laughs> it was technically a hike is just one of the biggest undersells I think you could have done. Uh, you know, it'd be like if I told you, hey, uh, take my wife and I going out for dinner. And then you found out we had like, I don't know reserved we went to like the disney japan and had res- <laughs> reserved dinner at disney world japan you know so yeah, yeah I, I thought you were going like an hour or two outside of town and we're gonna go like on a nice weekend hike and i was like oh no he's he's in africa
0: <laughs> yeah kilimanjaro man just a nice little afternoon hike oh. yeah
1: that was uh that was pretty funny though yeah but no it sounds like it was a blast
0: it was a blast man it was an adventure and, uh, man, speaking of adventures, this is, uh, an adventure we're going to bring to a close. It's our it fourth is. episode in the Marvel series, which I think we, we started out thinking this was going to be like a, like a one episode thing, right? Or maybe a two episode thing. And then it took us like an over an hour to record phase one. And then we were like, this, exactly. is, <laughs> this is definitely going to be four podcasts. Um, so what are we talking about today, Sam?
1: yeah no we're both prone to rambling so i think this uh we had to be at least four episodes to get through this i love the way we've been doing it but yeah today we're going into phase four Uh, it's going to be a little different than the last three episodes i think structure-wise just because phase four isn't complete Um, and like the other phases we've had a couple years to marinate on some of the films we haven't had that luxury with some of the recent phase four films Uh, but i thought that would be really interesting to at least kind of talk about the first half of the films that have come out so far uh, talk about the inclusion of Disney Plus series and kind of w- how we feel about things post-Infinity Saga, you know, where we yeah. think Marvel's going um, and what the outlook is based on what their upcoming schedule of releases are and maybe talk about a little bit what we hope to see and uh, what the directions we like them to go in. Uh, it'll be really interesting too because this is really the first time since Infinity War where they're setting up a whole new story arc so it's going to be kind of fun to talk about some of these post-Infinity War movies Yeah, uh, even if it's a little more in a brief manner.
0: Yeah, I love it. I mean, we're gonna get. I'm really excited. We're doing this this, this final podcast, or at least the final one for now. Um, at this point in time, because you know, Thor: Love and Thunder just came out, and that was uh, Thor is the only like original Avenger who's still acting in um, in their own in movies. Like, besides, I guess Black Widow was, um, but like, it's it's kind of yeah, cool to see point. like the original. Thor kind of coming all the way through all these movies, but um, yeah, we're gonna do that. Look back on the infinity saga and then just look at the, the future of where things are going. So, all right. Yeah.
1: I think uh, that's, I guess another reason we uh, ended up waiting a few weeks and it, it worked out really well since we were, you know, COVID and traveling and shoulder surgeries and all that. But uh, I think there was a part of us that was waiting for this Thor movie. So we could at least make sure we're including that in uh, our first, our first impressions of it in this podcast, at least. So uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if down the road, once Phase 4 concludes, we do a more legitimate full uh, review of all 12 films like we have on the previous three episodes. But uh, we'll at least get into uh, the first six of them today a little bit. Yeah. So uh, let me go ahead and read off to anyone who's listening the six episodes we're going to discuss. Um, so we're going to discuss the the six films that have released so far. Um and again, we'll, we'll go into the future of the MCU as well and what our thoughts are on that. But the six movies that have been released so far that we'll be discussing today are Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, uh, and Thor, Love and Thunder. And then we may touch a little bit on the uh, Disney Plus series as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I think we should dive right in. But right before that, I mean, I I was kind of uh, kind of captured by uh, some stats that that came up when i was doing some research which was uh you just mentioned the tv shows so man disney's pushing out content at a breakneck pace and you know we we talked about when we were watching these films back in um the early 2010s we'd have to wait um a year plus to see a film but now you can see um these Marvel characters everywhere on Disney Plus um, I think that the the stat that caught my attention was that uh, to date uh, over 30 hours of TV streaming content that is Marvel related has been released and I believe over 15 hours of movie content has been released So you're sitting a little over 45 hours of content which to put in perspective the entire infinity saga phase one through three was, I believe just shy of 50 hours of content. So we're only about halfway through phase 4 and already it's dwarfing the uh previous phases in the amount of content that's coming out which um, some people may love it, some people may hate it. Uh, I mean, what do you think about that Sam before we, we dive in? I kind of want to on that. That's a
1: super interesting fact actually. Uh did not know that until you mentioned it, but I mean, it makes sense cuz with the you know, with the Disney Plus series having, you know, six, I mean, mostly six episodes but some of them having 8 to 9 uh, you're getting just way more content on these miniseries thrown you know of actual Marvel content uh, put into the phase. Yeah, I, I'm a little torn on it. I, I do think um, I mean of course, I was super excited to see Marvel boost like their their big box office budget movies to you know two to three films a year when that happened. Um, I do think to an extent the Disney plus series have been coming out you know in such a high rate that I do think there's been some quality control and scripting issues uh, that I have with them. <laughs> as as far as they come out, but uh, overall, I think for the most part, they've been enjoyable. Um, they've all been fun to watch. I don't know if there's any I would consider to be, you know, a masterpiece or that, you know, absolutely uh, hit the home run, you know, hit the landing. Uh, but I know, you know, for me so far, you know, the favorites have been one division of Loki. Um, I actually did surprisingly enjoy Hawkeye quite a bit as well. Uh, but I think, you know, one division of Loki have probably been the two best Disney plus series released so far, in my opinion, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, mainly because those are the only two I've actually seen. I've just kind of uh, skimmed the <laughs> other ones and seen an episode here and there yeah, or yeah. just read uh, Wikipedia entries. It's just so much content, man. I, I'm, And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but my kind of gut reaction is that uh, right now, I feel like we're at a little bit too much saturation of content. And I've, I'm worried, mm-hmm. and this is kind of maybe going to fit my greater theme of the direction of Marvel, which is I'm worried that we're, we're oversaturating the content to the point where it's eroding the quality of the marvel cinematic universe so um yeah i don't know what you think about that but
1: i kind of agree and that's actually what i was literally gonna ask you kind of the same question a different wording is do you think the inclusion of all of these disney plus series are potentially you know because you know you have like kevin feige and this uh, group of people that are helping oversee the movies to an extent do you think all of these disney plus series coming out are potentially hampering the quality of the big budget movies that are being released in theaters
0: I don't know it, it I, my and this is where i'm gonna say my, my gut reaction is, is gonna is it gonna be yes right now because i just think we are throwing too much chaos um and if i could maybe sum up my feel for the entire uh phase four so far is just this kind of lack of direction that i feel like marvel is is uh suffering from like when you're in the infinity saga you have this clear-cut direction of uh, the Avengers forming and moving forward through conflict and then ultimately moving in a direction that is toward the inevitable battle with Thanos and I'm just um, Seeing this content that's been shotgunned out and, and all these movies that kind of have disparate themes, but no coherent Direction and I'm like, well, how is that really helping push things along? However, I do like the fact that this uh, these TV series do give A unique opportunity to try out interesting things Um, you can kind of you can kind of experiment like with the what if series um, and try something that's kind of crazy and then if it falls flat it doesn't necessarily impact the um, the broader universe which I do think that's pretty cool and I hope to see more of that moving forward
1: yeah you know and I did actually want to briefly touch on that too Uh, go ahead I'm going to list out all of the Disney Plus series that have come out so far in uh, order and so there's been division, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, uh, which I know you saw some of that one as well, so I know, you know, Loki, division and you saw some of the What If series. Uh, then after What If, we had Hawkeye, Moon Knight, and then we're currently wrapping up Miss Marvel, and then coming up, I guess, later, or not too far, about a month from now here in August, we're going to have She-Hulk, attorney uh, at law. So um, yeah, I think there's some of these have been pretty fun. My Favorite thing about the Disney Plus series, so even though some of them I haven't been, um, like I said, they've all been enjoyable to an extent, but some of them haven't been as good as I thought they could have been. I do think what I love about it, though, is it's a really great platform, like you're saying, for them to do a little more uh, in-depth character building, and they can really bring in some of those more third-tier characters that they may not feel confident giving a full-budget blockbuster movie for. Uh, so like the fact that we've gotten characters like Moon Knight on screen and that we got an animated what if and for that, sure. you know, Loki got his own series. I, I really don't feel like Loki would have been greenlit for his own movie personally, um, you know, despite how popular a character he is. I think he worked really well as a Disney Plus series. So, you know, I know we're going to briefly talk about these, but I think that was kind of my I think one division's probably been my favorite if I had to pick one just because it was very unique. Uh, I love the way they did, you know, just the. I guess just all the build-up to it and all the mystery and all the discussions I was reading online between episodes there was a lot of hype on this one and I thought it was just a very unique project which I love seeing Marvel do I think it was one of those things unfortunately they had so much fun building it up and leading to it all these little Easter eggs and then the conclusion felt very standard Marvel I guess in some ways there wasn't uh, anything too crazy or long-lasting for the MCU in the conclusion
0: yeah yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I like WandaVision was um, very unique, and I like to see that kind of level of uh, experimentation. Um, I think just to clue people in on, on the ratings, we're, we're not planning to rate the TV shows right now. We are going to rate the standalone films, um, but we'll probably Correct. talk a little yeah. bit about the uh, the TV shows and kind of some of the pros and cons with them. I think that you hit the nail on the head with WandaVision. It was, it was unique. It was pushing the envelope, but it did kind of fall flat at the, at the ending um, or the finale, if you will. Let's dive into yeah. those, those standalone films. Uh, we might not spend as much time as we did in the previous podcast for the the phase one through three, um, but we do have to spend enough time to give each one a rating. So, um, Sam, uh, you want to you yeah, want to kick us so off with the what's the, the the first phase four film we saw? When when did we see it, and what was it?
1: Yeah, so we got Black Widow. Uh, it, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's unfortunate. It came out July 9th, twenty twenty one, after having several delays. Uh, it was supposed to actually come out, I believe, um, in 2020. So it was quite a bit of a delay on this one with COVID and just vast quantities of movie theaters being closed. And even after they did finally release it in 2021, there was still, uh, you know, the box office just hadn't come back um, to where it was. I mean, remotely close to it. So you're going to see that on these box office numbers. I do think in another universe that Black Widow would come out pre-COVID or had come out you know even a year or two later there may have been um a much bigger box office for this one but it was it was made on about 200 million dollar budget so it's a pretty big budget for a solo marvel film and it uh grossed a total you know worldwide box office of 379 million um so in in a lot of ways this one struggled i do know they probably got quite a bit of receipts from disney plus because they did air that you know you could for 20 dollars you could uh, buy it on disney plus and you know rent it to see essentially uh, while i was in theaters uh but this this one was uh it's really interesting because if you look at the box office numbers we actually haven't seen box office numbers like that since phase one uh, with you know like the and captain america and stuff uh those first movies so I, I do credit a lot of this to covid um but you will see on the next few films coming out too that they're they're definitely uh, much lower box office wise overall uh, for the most part compared to a lot of the phase two and phase three films so that's me kind of interesting to dive into, but what what are your uh, what's your first take on Black Widow?
0: Yeah, those are interesting, um, interesting uh, kind of comments. And I, I, probably at the end of this, I want to ask you um, get your thoughts on why you think those numbers are lower. But um, kind of put that in the back of your brain for now. But Black Widow, um, I honestly did not have high expectations for it. Kind of coming out as the first film out of Phase Four. Um, and I'd read some reviews that were um, not super stellar. However, I actually really enjoyed this film. I thought uh, the introduction of The Widows was really interesting. I thought that Florence Pugh, played uh, Black Widow's sister, did a phenomenal job. And I felt like the sister dynamic was actually pretty interesting. Um, I felt like she was a believable assassin. Um, and you know it was it's it's kind of like a lot of these standalone films where it's a it's a little bit smaller scale but um i actually was like i left watching that i was like you know what this is actually a pretty decent film um so i gave it a rating of um what did i give this one i gave it a rating of 70 so a pretty solid like oh, 70 that's a that's a, a pretty
1: solid rating for you yeah yeah so uh, we're actually pretty close on this one. Uh, so Black Widow for me was the um, same thing. I didn't have super high expectations going into it. I think one of the main things too, in addition, of course, you know, COVID being absolutely the biggest reason for some of the box office uh, or the lackluster box office, I think another thing was, was the release time. It was just, uh, it was a very strange film to begin phase four given that her character arc had already ended in the Infinity Saga. Yeah. Uh, so to me, the Black Widow film, I really think they should have tried to release this movie. Would have been a lot more heavy hitting if they'd released it between Infinity War and Endgame.
0: Oh, that's um, a really good point. I had not thought about that because it would have made the like the events of of what happened in Endgame so much heavier hitting. Wow, that's a great point. So what did you? Uh, what was your rating, Sam?
1: So I gave this one a, a sixty-seven.
0: Love it. All right. Second film, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings.
1: Shang Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah, this movie uh, was exciting for me. You know, I wasn't maybe coming off of, um, you know, I wasn't maybe going with a, a ton of excitement because you know, as a character, I'm not super familiar with. We're getting into some more fringe Marvel characters at this point, but I was very excited because I saw it as the first new character introduction post in game. And I you know, was kind of going with this enthusiasm. Then we're getting new characters. You know, We're going to start getting this new, large, overarching setup probably. Uh, so I did want to note though that uh, Shang-Chi, box office wise was, it was kind of hard to find exact figures for this one, but it seems like it was done on right about $170 million budget. Um, and it performed pretty well at the box office. It, it was at 432 million total. Uh, so you know a solid performance based on the budget. I do think again this this came out September third, twenty twenty one. So you know less than two months after Black Widow, and I do think the pandemic was still affecting some of these numbers a bit at that point. I think we're just now starting to see people go back to the theater and all that. Uh, so again, I think non-pandemic, this movie probably does cross over the five hundred million mark, uh, maybe even six hundred million. But yeah, uh, not a bad box office. Again, a little more aligned with a Phase One box office, uh, not too far off from the first Thor movie that way.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting. We're kind of coming out of, um, pandemic and, and what is Disney doing there? Um, there's full throttle pushing, pushing content. So it's interesting to see that, um, their numbers aren't quite as good in there, but their, their uh, response to that is, Hey, let's just throw more, um, content at, whether it's Disney plus or the theater. So man, Shang-Chi, I mean, I want to hear what you have to say, Sam, but my overall reaction to this movie is just, it was bland. It was a decent character. Um. I liked some of the fight scenes. Um, it was kind of cool, some of the uh, elements that h- harkened back to Iron Man 3 um, with Ben Kingsley and then the Mandarin character. But I didn't see a ton of redemption in that thread. And the uh, end fight scene, I was just wasn't emotionally invested. And in. it, it partly might be because I'm still kind of coming off of uh, Infinity Saga. And I'm like, okay, here's a new character. Um, maybe not really ready to accept a new character into this already saturated uh world but man i i gave it a rating of 66 because of just did not impress me and did not uh warrant enough in my mind to kind of push above that 70 um rating mark which i kind of consider like a baseline average for my films
1: yeah absolutely uh i i did enjoy uh, shang chi again i went in with um decently high hopes I, I guess i was expecting it to be a little more integrated into the MCU, and they definitely, you know, modesty and credency, and this one felt, and again, I should also say with the inclusion of the actual Mandarin, this movie felt a little bit uh, very solo, very uh, almost disconnected. It felt like a phase one movie in some of those aspects, you know, Yeah. Um, and it didn't, there wasn't a whole lot in it that was, you know, building, I felt like that was building up or leading over to whatever Marvel's next massive event was going to be, you know, whatever their lead up is, it it did feel like a pretty individual you know, individual movie, and I didn't feel like it moved things forward very much that way. But I thought it was a, a really solid origin story. Um, I thought uh, I, I, for, I forget his name, but I, I believe you know, shang Chi's father played a pretty solid villain. There's definitely an emotional element there. Uh, you know, with you know fighting your dad, and you know him wanting his wife back, and all that. I did enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, again, I thought the action sequences were pretty solid. We didn't get to see a ton of great hand-to-hand combat scenes, and you know, for several MCU movies, so that was pretty fun to see. Uh, but I agree with you. I thought it was a, a solid Marvel movie, but uh, wasn't a masterpiece or anything like that. Uh, I did give this one a higher rating, again, because I thought it was a great origin story. I thought it had a pretty good villain. Um, and it did, you know, make me excited. I actually was excited to see more of Shang-Chi after this movie, uh, at least for me. I, I gave this one a 73.
0: 73. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm the same boat. You know, um, while I was maybe a little harsh with my, my rating, um, I'm excited to see if if they can uh, where, where they're going to take that character. So there, there definitely could be some redemption in, in in my mind for kind of seeing that Shang Chi character join a kind of next generation Avenger squads. So we'll uh we'll see where it goes.
1: For sure. Uh, let's move on to the next one here, uh, which is uh, going to be pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is going to be Eternals.
0: Eternals.
1: This. This one, this is going to be an upset. I I honestly feel like uh, I definitely enjoyed this movie more than the general audience, so I'm going to start off with that before uh, people start throwing stones at me. By people you Um, need me. (laughs) Yeah, so this one was done on about $200 million budget. Um, It was a a two-and-a-half-hour movie introducing ten new characters that are, you know, even I consider myself a pretty hard MC fan, and even I know so little about The Eternal. So this one was kind of interesting for me because I'm going in with – not super high expectations, you know, and I don't have a whole lot of character reference to go off of, like, I guess the best way for me to put this is if I went into an Iron Man or Captain America movie and they did something that wasn't, um, that didn't, you know, flow well with the character from, you know, that I know from the comic books, I would be upset about it because I know what those characters are, but they could kind of do anything they wanted with these characters because I, I had no reference point for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, this movie performed decently it was yeah, again 200 million dollar uh, budget it did receive really mixed reviews and again it came out november 5th 2021 so i do think we're just now starting to see theaters ramp up again uh, which we're going to see talking about our next movie uh, but this one just crossed that 400 million mark uh, so again you're seeing really more of a phase one box office uh, again i think without pandemics a little bit higher but i do think this one is i, I really don't see a, a scenario where this one crosses the 500 million or 550 million dollar mark right uh just because of it being such a fringe team and because of the mixed reviews it got but uh yeah what are i know you had the muscle through this one and you didn't see this one in theaters like i did so uh i want to hear your thoughts on it before i uh, give all of mine
0: yeah so um we mentioned earlier I just had shoulder surgery, and I kind of joked with Sam about <laughs> what was going to be more painful: watching the Eternals that are going through shoulder surgery. And uh, the one thing nice thing about shoulder surgery is that they give you a, uh, a lot of drugs and sedatives to get you through the pain. Uh, I didn't have any of those when I was watching Eternals, so uh, <laughs> it, it was it was funny how much of a struggle it was. Uh, even though I had uh, time off of work to uh, finish this film, I kept like starting it. Uh, and it's like a three-hour film, almost or two and a half-hour film. And I kept starting and watching twenty minutes, um, getting bored or disinterested, and then um, finding something more entertaining to watch. And I actually finally just muscled through it, uh, actually um, this morning. So uh, <laughs> uh, it definitely was a, a force pill to swallow for me. You know, Man, uh, it was it okay? Was pro- keep going. <laughs> I mean, it was. He was just like the characters. To me, were not um, super engaging. I did like the visuals a lot, and I thought the the overall premise is pretty decent, but I don't know what it was, uh, but I just was not interested in what this the story was at all. I didn't feel compelled to be interested in the Eternals or even really hate them that much. They were just, man, kind of quote what I said about Shang-Chi, just a whole lot of bland. What do you think?
1: Man. Okay, so I'm going to come out with kind of a hot take on this one. Um this is going to be again one of a little bit of an upset. So I went into this film and it might be cuz I went into this film with low expectations, didn't know the characters too well, and I had seen before going into the theater that week and that had pretty mixed reviews. Uh so I guess I do think that probably played a role in why it kind of pleasantly surprised me, but when I went to the theater to see it, I actually really enjoyed the visuals and the filming locations and the way the film was shot. I thought cinematography wise, it was a beautiful Marvel film. Yeah. Um, I you know I know we're dealing with ten characters they're trying to introduce, and I, I did get I understand that it was you know super front loaded with those amount of characters they're trying to introduce in one movie, but I thought that for a two and a half hour movie, they did a really good job on that. Um, again, I think the characters were really well done, considering that they're eternals. You know, like they're they're immortal. You know, they live thousands of years, so they don't behave and act like a, someone like a typical lifespan would. Like when I was looking at those characters, I was thinking more of people like Odin. You know, like that have been around for such a long time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I get there was definitely a lot of issues with this movie. Uh, it definitely had. I felt like it was trying to do several things, but I really enjoyed that it felt so different from other Marvel movies because it had a little bit it did have some marvel humor in it but it felt like a much more adult marvel movie to me and yeah. it felt like it was a change from the mcu in a lot of ways and it, it handled some very existential questions uh, yeah. in my opinion that it asked some very adult questions and i appreciated that like even though they maybe didn't you know hit the you know hit it on the head perfectly um or it you know devolved in some areas i was like hey this is crazy that they're going into such you know these deep asking questions in an mcu movie and for whatever reason, a lot of the characters' story arcs like really connected me- with me. Like the whole, you know, some of them portraying. Um, oh, she was the Sentinel's name. <laughs> you just watched it. I don't know if you remember the Sentinel's name, but
0: like, a- um, uh,
1: is it Ajax? It, or is- Ishram, Ajax? not Ajax. Yeah, Ishram or whatever. I'm yeah. probably butchering the name, but I-, I thought it was really interesting having their most powerful member, Icarus, be, uh, you know, wanting to, you know, basically stay loyal. Like he was almost like to the point of like being a religious fanatic about it. And then the rest of the team kind of, you know, realizing like, hey, it's it's just sometimes the price isn't worth it. You know, like even though these Eternals do need to exist, they were actually looking at what was being lost on that planet. I don't know. I just I just thought it was such a a cool idea for a movie. And I I loved at the end where they're having to basically team up against their most powerful member that they all know, love and respect, you know, and it has like that family dynamic to it. I actually got emotionally pulled into it quite a bit. Uh, which i know most people didn't that's kind of my hot take but it it did emotionally pull me into it yeah i also love that you know one of the members of the team basically is just like hey uh you know i actually agree with icarus but i don't i'm not gonna fight my family and he actually just leaves you know and that yeah you you keep thinking he's gonna come back but i was like that was kind of a cool thing like he's like hey i disagree with them but i'm not gonna fight them you know it's like that's my family and i don't know i just thought there were actually some really great scenes in here it's visually beautiful I know I'm rambling right now, but that's just to tell you because uh, I, I gave this one. I'm going to tell you my rating. I gave it a 74. Wow, that's, um, that's
0: very uh, generous. You know, um, I actually really appreciate all the stuff you said. And as we, you were kind of mentioning these bullet points, I kept kind of increasing my uh, my rating. Um, so actually, in the last, <laughs> since you did the last monologue, I've increased my rating nine points.
1: You're serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Wait, how low? Okay, so I'm kind of scared, though, because if you tell me a rating that's uh, still really low, I'm going to be like, wait, he gave it nine points below that. But yeah, so, what was your yeah, rating?
0: My rating with with the nine point bump is a 59. <laughs>
1: Holy crap, you gave it a 50. Yeah, wait, I originally gave uh... it a
0: 50. Cause, so I was, uh, part of this is yeah. because of um, just how boring it was for me, but also part of it was yeah. I was kind of trying to um, backdrop against some of the other crappier movies I've, I've seen, and I gave... Uh, um, I, I thought it was better than the Incredible Hulk, uh, which I still have as 44, my lowest-ranked Marvel film of all time. Yeah. Um, no. But I was kind of going back and forth whether it was uh, as as um, as bad as Thor: The Dark World, or um, and I actually rated Thor: The Dark World 51, so um, I've rated it up, up there with Ant-Man and the Wasp as far as like uh, kind of yeah. definitely not not hitting the mark, but um, it's not quite as bad as those two. I think. One thing I will say, uh, I think I've already kind of hated on it enough. Um, One thing I did really like about the premise, and I kind of mentioned this briefly in my review, I think a lot of the things fell short. I think the uh, casting, the dialogue, the acting um, fell short um, in the plot. I just wasn't compelled by the film um, characters very much. But one of the things in the premise that I did like um, is this concept of deconstructing superheroes. So it's kind of asking this question of what happens when your heroes let you down? Uh, When you have, like, Icarus, who is, like, kind of supposed to save Earth, but then they're, like, kind of turning bad. And I think this is kind of a trend we're seeing in in Phase 4 and just superheroes in general, like with the um, Amazon Prime show, The Boys, where you see, like, oh, what happens if, like, your superheroes aren't altruistic? Like, um, you're kind of seeing that with the Eternals. Like, these are, like, all-powerful creatures that... um, don't necessarily always act with the best intentions. And then, so it's kind of interesting. It's setting up these interesting questions to your point about, um, these existential questions, you're setting these interesting questions about what, yeah, what happens when the people that have all the power kind of let you down and don't act operate in, in the, the best, um, possible ways. And I think we're going to see this, this theme continue. And when we talk about Dr. Strange two, where like the main villains of that movie are Avengers. So it's like, you're, you're watching kind yeah. of this crumbling of your, um, your heroes are letting you down. Like, it, we've strayed quite a bit from the um, like Captain America, who's like the benevolent hero who's like always going to be looking out for the best interests of the other people. And all of a sudden, you're kind of introducing these flawed heroes or heroes that turn dark. And I think that that's, that's a really interesting topic. And it kind of pulls all the way back one of my favorite comic book series of all time, um, Watchmen by Alan Moore. If you ever read the comic, um, the graphic novel, or even yes, seen the Snyder film, that was, yeah. in my mind, one of the first um, times I ever saw. That like them ask the question, what happens if you have superheroes that are kind of acting in an, in an evil manner? So I think it's an interesting topic and I think it's, it's definitely um, something that we have the liberty to explore more now that we are out of the Infinity Saga. So I'm excited to kind of see those premises be fleshed out, um, just hopefully with a little bit better execution. So 59 for you, yeah. um, or sorry, 59 for me, 74 for you. Um, that's yeah. actually... Our second biggest delta. A fun fact in our. I, ex- I
1: expected that. Yeah, and it, I think most people, you know, who listen to this or the general audience, are going to would give it a rating extremely similar to what you have. Um, I know I'm an upset on this, but like I said, I for whatever reason it just clicked with me much more. Even the people that I went to go see it with were like, "Oh, it was good," or "It was okay." I do and think I, I enjoyed have enjoyed it more than I thought wish of. I wish I would
0: have seen in theaters for the visuals. I do think the visuals would have been better in a in a in a theater. So yeah, I, I thought it had some great action.
1: More yeah, I th- I thought it had some great action sequences too. I actually really enjoyed like the end fight with the I thought the speedster fight against Icarus was really cool, just like doing it in full speed instead of the slow-mo stuff and all that. It was I just thought it was a fun, uh, really well done visually movie and I shouldn't say it was fun. It 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 actually was a pretty heavy hitting movie, I thought. It was also crazy that they had a uh one of the lead characters like fly off into the sun and commit suicide at the end of a Marvel movie, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I, I know we're kind of lingering on this one, but I, I just thought it was worth mentioning that this is one that, uh, I rated a bunch a lot against, of course, above a lot of other Marvel movies. That I think people would think, you know, generally disagree with. So, but that's one of my hot takes on this one uh, for phase four. I, yeah, I enjoy this one a lot more than I thought I would, but it might've been just because of my low expectations on the front end. Yeah. Um, This is going to lead us into a crazy one that we're going to be talking about for a hot minute, I think. And uh, this is going to be Spider-Man: No Way Home.
0: Spider-Man: No Way Home. So
1: we, you know, I loved that they didn't show a lot of the big reveals in this movie in the trailer, but there was all the rumors out there. You did see a lot of the villains, so you knew in the back of your head. Hey, we might get to see Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield don the suits again in this movie, you know. And I don't think anyone's knew to what extent it was going to be like a small cameo or just towards the very end of the movie, or you know how they were going to be integrated into it. But it was like that level of excitement going in. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have been this excited to see a Marvel film um, since the Avengers movies, honestly. Uh, since because you know I'd say Endgame, Infinity War, the first Avengers movie. Uh, as far as like hype goes i'd say this one was up there with that just cuz of so much nostalgic factor oh my gosh uh,
0: well you talk about you know we talk about us being uh sheltered homeschool kids i think that's a, like the nostalgic factor for me too because yes. growing up i was uh age restricted to see some of these uh some of these action movies um most notably uh Wolverine the uh, the old parents wouldn't wouldn't let me see <laughs> I that remember until that. i was uh, that was a battle yeah i think i already had facial hair but um yeah, it was uh, for some reason Spider Man. I guess fell through the cracks. Apparently, um, uh, a kid who um, stumbles into gamma or stumbles into radiation by a radioactive spider and then shoots webs out of his arms is somehow a like a, a, a solid a moral uh, um, example for a young homeschool kid um, that my parents <laughs> checked, checked the box on. But I just remember oh, getting the, uh, the old Sam Raimi uh, Tobey Maguire. Um, uh, like DVD box set and watching those. Yeah, the box set. Yeah, I remember um, that. And that, that was like, man, those were. Looking back, those films had have so many flaws, but I can't help but smile every time I see like clips and uh, portions of those films. Even the Spider-Man Three, the infamous uh, uh, craziness that that film had. But man, watching Tony yeah. McGuire on the big screen, it was it was arguably one of the um, the first kind of franchises that really threw a lot of. Money at the production. Like, I think Spider Man 3 had um an insane amount of money. In yeah, $250 budget.
1: million dollar budget. And even yeah. the ones before that, I think, were, you know, around the 140 to, you know, 160 mark or whatever. So Which they were all high budget movies. In 2020,
0: 2022, like, that's kind of commonplace to throw that much money, those hundreds of millions of dollars at a superhero film. But back in, like, the early 2000s, that's not commonplace. It's kind of risky because yeah. what happens if it falls flat um, and, and you don't get your return back? So, yeah, so the the hint that uh, Tobey Maguire is going to be um, coming into this film, man, that was that's super exciting. And then not on only that, but then you have uh, the characters like uh, Doc Ock and um, man, the uh, yeah
1: Green Goblin, Green and, uh, Goblin, uh, yeah, even the to... Green Goblin. That's oh man, yeah, it was, it was I... kind of insane i have a uh, quick story too it's funny that we're talking so much about the original ramy trilogy but it, it's funny that Rammy you know Sam ray is such like a you know he's known for his horror movies and then he directed you know this campy fun spider-man trilogy in the two you know early 2000s and uh, really fun fact for you know you i was kind of the same way growing up where i wasn't allowed to see a lot of you know anything really past PG rating and my family really never went to the movie theater growing up but for whatever reason it was the same as you Spider-Man came out in theaters in 2002 and that's actually the earliest film I can remember seeing in theaters. I know I'd gone to the theater before that but as far as memories go I got to see that movie in the theater and I remember it was like this huge massive ordeal and I still remember like the excitement of my whole family going to the theaters cuz we hardly ever went and sitting down and getting to see a PG-13 movie and it was just it was a blast it's so it's crazy. that's there's a lot of nostalgia for this franchise for me too so um let's go and dive in though and what are your uh, what are so oh you know what let me talk about the box office on this one this yeah. one is crazy okay so you're going to uh <laughs> this one is shocking this one was done on a 200 million dollar budget uh it made 1.9 billion dollars it is the third highest grossing mcu movie in the entire mcu And I want to say it ranks, like, uh, number six or seven. uh, I think total, like, worldwide ever. All-time ranking, I think, is number six. Now, I'm going to throw a crazy fact out here for you, though. Uh, Just, I want to talk about this, because just how big and how much draw this movie had. Um, And this is, by the way, this was December 17th, you know, 2021. Uh, At this point, I think there was still a little bit of uh, COVID issues in theaters, but I really think it started subsiding. And I think a lot of people were willing to go to the theater at this point, especially if it was a movie they were excited to see. Yeah. Uh, and this movie was that movie. So Avengers um, Infinity War made just over $2 billion. It was $2,048,000,000. And Avengers Endgame made just under $2.8 And that was one thing I kind of thought about. I think in an earlier podcast, I said it just made over $300 million opening weekend. But it actually made uh, like $357 million. So Avengers Endgame... Has like by far the biggest box office opening of all time, but I want to mention uh, for Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, what makes this so interesting, and I actually read this fact and it blew me away, was that this 1.9 billion dollars, China did not air this movie. Wow! This movie received no international budget for uh, from China. So then, wait, that why made was me that? Interested. I, I don't get all the nuance on it. I know there were some, I don't know if it had to do with, you know, issues between the U S and China, or if they were just trying to promote their own movies or if, you know, how they were treating movie theaters over there with COVID still, I'd have to read into it more. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that Spider-Man no way home did not play in China, which is a huge market. So I got to the, I wanted to see, you know, cause it was closer to infinity war and Endgame box office wise, what those movies pulled into China. Those movies were pulling in about 400 to $600 million in China. Wow. So if this movie had played in China, I hundred percent guarantee you, this is my opinion that it would have passed Infinity War's box office.
0: Wow! And that's probably crazy. would
1: have gotten closer to Endgame. So I, I really that. think this movie. Yeah, I think this. I almost guaranteed if this movie got into play in China, we we would have solid beat Avengers Infinity War's box office, which is crazy to me. That is crazy. So I know that's a long box office talk, but well, I just want I think for that's people really to know how worth it. I mean, yeah.
0: man, that's pretty interesting, and I think. I mean, I could say part of that has got to be coming out of the pandemic. People want to go see movies. It's over a holiday, so yeah. people are kind of sitting around. Um, people are, yeah, wanting to get kids back are out of school. Get, They're on Christmas break. Yeah, I, I gotta think that part of uh, the draw is a you, you have the A list, Doctor Strange actor who's in this um, from the Avengers, and Tom Holland as Spider Man. But then you're pulling, um, the, you're pulling Andrew Garfield from the Amazing Spider Man series. You're pulling Tobey Maguire from. His series, and then Doc Ock and um, Green Goblin, like you're pulling so much nostalgia, um, and that's something that we saw with Endgame. Is the part of the the reason why it made so much money? I think is because it's it pulling on so much nostalgia, so much previous content, and um, Spider Man yeah. is right up there with it for pulling on previous content. Arguably, what twenty years of content, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I just remember, yeah, talking about being excited. I was so excited when this movie came out because. Um, and and then I'm just thinking about the scene where Tobey Maguire kind of hits the stage and then like Andrew Garfield hits the stage. And I think it honestly does a good job of cleaning up the, uh, (laughs) the, the messiness of the Spider-Man reboots. Um, I think the best uh, series to ever clean up the past has actually been X-Men when they did uh, Days of Future Past when they kind of like somehow kind of whitewashed everything that I had with First first Class in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, And then like, they brought yeah. it all back together. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a really kind of messy but cool way to, to clean up your, your past history of um, kind of segmented movies. But man, they did a good job of uh, working out the deals with Sony and Disney. And they did the same thing here where uh, you could kind of almost see, yeah, these reboots while they probably weren't intentional when they happened to like set up the multiverse, somebody had the vision of let's kind of work these together where we could actually have the reboots that coexist in kind of the same universe. So that was phenomenally cool. I think the dialogue and banter between Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield was my favorite portion of the film. It the was humor was great. Uh, no complaints. It, I was laughing out loud be, just because of the the humor that had that was years in the making like this is the, I think it was so good Marvel talks about like Marvel tries to have um, a lot of humor in their films and sometimes I think it goes over the top man I I think this might have been one of the funniest films for me just because of like all the years of humor for these jokes to play out
1: it was it was crazy how they brought in like some you know more like mainstream jokes or almost meme culture into some of the jokes in this movie and it, it didn't feel cringy it worked so well I mean I was laughing my butt off at so many jokes in this film, and just, you know, I could have I could have watched a full movie of just those three characters interacting. It was just hilarious. It was so much fun. Um And, and the movie itself, like, with the redemption arc with the villains, I loved how they did it. Uh The action sequences were amazing. Uh, I think Tom Holland gave his best performance he's given since he's, you know, been oh, part agree. of the MCU. It was just a hard-hitting movie. I loved the ringer they put him through. Like, it felt like a Spider-Man movie that he was... How much was going wrong for him? Like watching his Aunt May die was, was I mean, that was a crazy powerful scene for the MCU. And, and I know this is a Sony produced movie. Uh, so you technically Sony just, but part of the MCU. And I just was shocked at uh, how good it was. Um, yeah. I, I think I will say there's a couple things I have to critique about the movie. And we've, I think, talked about this in the past. There's a couple little things that uh, do, I subtract a few points from almost a nearly perfect movie. Uh, almost all of those things being in the first act. Yeah, uh, There are definitely quite a few things in the first act to make this movie happen. I understand that there has to be some very convenient plot points, Yeah, but I think they could have found other ways to make it happen because it was like really like it, some of it was such a big stretch, you know, uh, like all the different characters coming into worlds at different timelines to make it work. Um, I thought the one of my biggest issues with the movie was how Doctor Strange just felt so out of character. Oh my God. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things I'll subtract points on the movie was just because, you know, he was such a cool character in the, um, you know, Infinity War and in game movies. And then in this one, he kind of, he just felt so out of character. Like, it, it almost didn't seem like the same Doctor Strange. It really wasn't the same Doctor Strange. Just... You know, there wasn't any thought process. Some high school kid asked him to do this, and none of them thought it through. He just instantly is like, yeah, I'm gonna cast this world-changing spell. Yeah. And the spell itself just seems like such a powerful broken thing that it's like, oh, if you knew the spell, there's other parts in the MCU where this spell could have been applied to save a lot of lives. Like this spell could have been used in Infinity. So that's my issue with it, is the spell that they use to get this movie kicked off, or the stuff they have Doctor Strange do power set-wise kind of breaks previous movies um in my I, opinion so i was agree. really hoping and, and that was my biggest issue with this movie I, I hate when that happens is when you um use a plot device in a movie to push things forward but that plot device breaks continuity in previous movies on where things could have been fixed easier um i could not agree more so, i
0: think that like this this uh travesty and i'll call it travesty because i think it's that bad um i'm docking it at least five or six points it's the reason why i'm not yeah. giving this movie um an 80 um or above and I think it really represents really? the character yeah. of Doctor Strange. Like it, You look it back on the Doctor Strange character from Infinity War where he's this calm, calculating, um, kind of logical, rational thinker who's examining all the possibilities and making the choice that is in the best interest of the Avengers and ultimately all of humanity. And then it's a complete about-face when he's, um, he's acting off the cuff, kind of whimsical, he's acting stupid, ignorant, uh, and not taking into account the uh, broader implications of what he's doing. It makes him look dumb, makes him look stupid. It makes him... um, It really erodes, in my mind, the quality of that character. And I think that has repercussions, like you're saying, backwards in time to uh, previous movies. Um, But it also has repercussions moving forward. And I couldn't look at uh, Doctor Strange to the same way. And I probably won't look at um, the way Doctor Strange operates moving forward in the same way because of how bad this first act was. Uh, The redemption came when... You had all three spider-mans together and once you got doctor strange out of it it was a much more enjoyable film but man that left a scar that's a big scar
1: uh, yeah i really i would have i mean i had no issue with doctor strange in the movie i loved him being in the movie but i think they should have come up with a different catalyst for this multiversal event than doctor strange doing the spell like to Definitely. me it felt like they had the rest of the movie planned and they just had to come up with a way to make those characters all come together in the same universe and it felt very shoehorned to have Doctor Strange do it that way. Well, um, let's the, circle back sad to this. The
0: yeah. Well, oh, sorry, you go ahead.
1: Oh, I just wanted to say, I, I think um, minus some of those issues with Doctor Strange or big issues with Doctor Strange's character in the first act, though, anything past that in this movie, I would say is near perfection. I would go that far. I, I really can't think of a whole lot of critiques past those that first 30 minutes of the film.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and that's the hardest thing about it is that there's so much greatness in this film, and then, and then which offsets kind of some of the, the badness i think um let's circle back to this film when we go back through our revisionist marvel because this is going to be at the top of my list as things i wish i could change about the whole mcu um absolutely but until then um i want to hear your score sam what'd you give this movie
1: okay so keep in mind this was nostalgic i think the movie was amazing everyone gave incredible performances uh, the writing in the second and third act with especially with all three spider-man was was crazy uh, I'm going to tell you right now, this would be a 90 plus movie for me if the first act had been handled a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so I gave it still a very high rating uh, just because so much about it was amazing. I mean, I was grinning. I was laughing. I was having the time of my life in the theater. Uh, but I gave it an 88. And again, it would be over, it'd be a 90 or above if I felt like the first act had been handled a little bit better.
0: Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's a great score. I think I would have put it in um, about the 84, 85 range, which is basically kind of similar to how we would rate things. You're usually about three to five clicks higher than me, just based on how you rate things. I had to back it off to a 79 um, because of, of how bad I felt like they handled the introduction of this film. It's something that I I just couldn't get erased throughout the film. Yes, it was a a phenomenally fun film, but I just had to back it off to that um, sub 80 mark because of, um mainly because of that but also i i still don't find tom holland's character and the reasons why he does things super compelling i think that he um yes it's upsetting that uh dr strange kind of did this spell in a way that he shouldn't have done it but tom holland like spider-man he's he's kind of has a very childish reason for why he wants to um Conduct this spell in the first place, and I think his relationship with MJ is like, yeah, it's it's interesting and um, it's kind of fun, but like, it's no uh, Gwen Stacy and Andrew Garfield when like, that that was super emotional. It's no like yeah, uh, a
1: lot more chemistry with those two. I felt yeah, like and as well. Even
0: MJ yeah. and Toby Maguire, that was way more chemistry um, in my mind. So there are issues, I think, with Tom Holland, and then mostly issues with the um, with the way they set up the uh the fraction the multiverse which, which has so much consequence for the future movies so 79 for me 88 for you that's a delta of nine um yeah one other
1: thing i, I do have to kind of defend tom holland on is like he is a high school and i, I agree with you to an extent like he makes i love that he's a, he's someone trying to do the right thing but he's you know he is still a high school kid at the end of the day who has those wants and needs and desires of like a typical high school kid i think sometimes though they almost overdo it a little bit to try to remind you of that you know, with his decisions.
0: Well, and it was cool that even in his kind of flaws and immaturity, it was cool to see him get the advice from the older Spider-Man. Like, I think it was toward the end there when Tom Holland, actually, you saw kind of the rage that you hadn't really seen in his character before. Oh, I love that. That He really was
1: a... He was going to kill him. I love that they actually love made that, that decision. Too. Like they were and going to make him actually kill him. Yeah, I would love that and too. Toby and then you had,
0: in. yeah, you had had the older, wiser Spider-Man say, "Wait, like this is not the path you want to go down." And so that that was pretty cool. Um, I, I, I agree with that. So.
1: And I do have to. I know we keep we're getting stuck on this movie, but there's so much. I mean, there's a lot of characters. I mean, event you know, character wise, this was almost like an Avengers movie with all the villains and the three Spider-Men. But uh, William Dafoe absolutely oh, crushed this movie i mean he was terrifying on screen i, I think one of my like favorite more scenes in the whole movie than
0: the other like movies
1: yeah no absolutely I, and i think what's what probably one of the craziest most terrifying scenes for me is when they're all in the apartment and his spider sense starts going off and it leads to that brutal fight they have in the apartment building
0: yeah
1: um where he's just laughing while spider-man's punching them they're going through like different floors of the building spider-man's taking a complete beat down from him and it leads to you know the end of that scene's Aunt May's death. I mean, I think to me that's one of the seriously. I, I know this is crazy, but I think that's one of my favorite scenes um, in a Marvel movie. It was just it was such a hard hitting, intense. Like I mean, the adrenaline I was feeling watching that scene was just crazy.
0: Yeah, dude. William Defoe brought the um, the action. I mean, Alfred Molina did phenomenal as Doc Ock, and I felt like that was a pretty cool redemption for his character. Um, I
1: love the I love the redemption arc they took these characters on because it was such an interesting thing that I someone had to have been sitting down watched the toby Maguire series the two amazing spider-man movies uh, with andrew garfield and been like hey like all these guys are kind of like they're villains but they're all redemptive villains like they're all villains that can have a redemptive arc you have lizard who is just being controlled by you know i guess the primal lizard dna you have electro who's you know not a great guy but he's also like just trying to uh you know, he has his own thing going on. Yeah, um, Sandman so just, wants just to probably, save
0: his daughter, and
1: yes, yeah, Sandman—it's not—he just wants the daughter. He wants to get money for her surgery, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll go steal from Bankside Powers." Now I could do that, you know. And then you have, uh, you know, Doc Ock who has the um, the arms are corrupting him, you know, like the chipset in his arm in his back or spine. Uh, and then you have the Goblin who just has like his good side and his dark side. So it is really interesting how it just coincidentally happened—all these villains. Yeah. Or had a way to be redeemed. So I thought it was a really cool way to take the film. For sure. And it felt very Spider-Man-like to, for him to want to do it that way. So, but, yeah, I guess uh, let's go ahead. I know we've spent a long time on this one, but I think it was warranted. Uh, and then we're going to go into the next movie on this list, if you're ready for it.
0: Doctor Strange 2. The yeah, Doctor
1: Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So this one, it was a $200 million budget Um It made $954 million, so it didn't hit the billion-dollar mark, but was still a pretty big success, uh, or I'd say a very big success. And I want to say that's uh, approaching, I was like $270, $280 million more than the previous Doctor Strange movie uh, back in Phase 2. So, you know, a pretty solid, uh, definitely a pretty solid increase. And it should be noted, this was May 6, 2022, and the other Doctor Strange movie was... Um, November 4th, 2016. So, I mean, we are, you know, approaching almost six years between the first and second one, which is a super long time to wait for a sequel.
0: Wow, I didn't think about that. That's yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, man, this was a, uh, um this is a unique film on a lot of different fronts because, it was. well, first of all, you know, I'm off the heels of Spider-Man. Um, it was directed by Sam Raimi, who you said uh, we said he directed the first three Spider-Man films, but also, yes. said it said has a um, a storied history and a horror film, and that's the first thing that stands out to me with this film. Um, there were scenes in Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness that I was shocked that Disney Marvel allowed to be so dark
1: that they greenlit I was you're right this is by far the most brutal uh horror movie like Marvel movie we've seen I mean even I would say you know past the point of Infinity War and Endgame like I mean uh there were
0: there were shots that the camera didn't pan away that I think other Marvel movies would have panned away and absolutely yeah it's brutal but it was it was kind of interesting and I was kind of like Well, way to go, Marvel. You're kind of stepping out of your cliche, like, um, kind of formulaic, uh, like, let's see the action, but never the blood situation. Like, this movie shows some blood.
1: Uh, Yeah, of course, I think the scenes we're referencing are the Illuminati scene. I was shocked at how brutal uh, that scene was. And it wasn't just one character. I was shocked what happened to Black Bolt and then Mr. Fantastic. And then it was just like, oh, God, they're not letting up. Like, they are just playing into this brutal slaughter of yeah. the Illuminati. Uh, and then you, know, I, and you I see the face yeah.
0: of uh, like Wanda. She's kind of wa- wandering through like the tunnels and her blood, her face is covered in blood and she's like kind of limping a little bit. It just felt like she's in the middle of a horror film. It was like, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, they definitely
1: let Remy take the horror film route on this. And uh, it, I did want to note super quickly, I've noticed a trend, um, not on all of the phase four movies, but on several of them that, And I've been reading this online, you know, of course, some of this is what I've been gathering online, too, but that there's been a lot more independence with the director to have their own style with these movies. Like I would say, you know, Eternals had that, you know, Doctor Strange had that. uh, When we talk about Thor, Love and Thunder, it had that and some of that for better and for worse. So you have the director's unique styles being put in these movies. uh, But any downfalls of that director are also being put in these movies. Uh, So it's kind of an interesting thing to talk about. That's a really interesting
0: point. yeah. Like, more freedom to explore, but also maybe less continuity from film to film. Like, yes, Doctor Strange was in Spider-Man No Way Home uh, right before this, but this felt like a completely different feel um, from the film. And, like, to the point where uh, maybe just because they realized how bad they messed up, the the genesis of fracturing the multiverse in Spider-Man No Way Home did not even come up in discussion in this film. And I think it was to the the benefit of this film that they didn't talk about that. They just were like, ah, oh, we're going to forget about that and just assume that things are, uh, things are having issues, but man, they took Wanda it's, into crazy t- so territory.
1: I'm, yeah. I was about to bring her up. I'm so glad you mentioned this. Elizabeth Olsen, I think almost stole this movie though. She was, yes. uh, so good in this movie as the villain. Also, that's another extremely bold choice. Marvel made in this movie in addition to the violence as they, they took a really tragic character that, Uh, People have come to really love and you know enjoy her character arc, and they made her the most brutal villain you know, I would say, even up there with Thanos, as far as villains go, she's in the MCU.
0: And not only that, she's believable because when you go back to see um, WandaVision and you see, we all it all comes back to Infinity War when when she watches vision die in front of her and then she gets to watch thanos turn back time bring vision back only to steal the infinity stone out of his forehead and kill him a second time like the amount of like mental trauma that puts on a on her is insane and they they flesh that out in wandavision and how she copes with that and then they really turn up the dial in dr strange too and to the point where she's doing these horrific things and i'm like i could see that they've they've drawn the thread from avenger who's working altruistically all the way through pain and grief to the point where she's doing these horrific murders like i could it was believable to me and i was like it was like cr- credit to these people that wrote that
1: I, I so many people have come out saying how rushed her turn felt, but I I, I was shocked to hear that because I was like, this is person her brothers died, you know, her family died as kids. She's gone through a ton of trauma before she ever even joined the Avengers. She was experimented on, um, and then like you said, that is yeah, all before even Infinity War took place. So then Infinity War takes place, and she has to kill the person she loves and watch him die a second time, like you said. Then you go into one division where you find out she has the powers to have everything she wants, and she has to sacrifice it. And so to me, I was like, I. It was almost more believ- believable for me that she would turn this this villainous path, as opposed to uh, continue to be a hero. It's like if I was in those shoes, like could I really continue? Like, and I had the powers to actually change those things. Like, would I not try to do it? Yeah. And, and in addition to that, this is a huge thing. I think a lot of people overlook is they very clearly tell you how much the dark hold. Um, corrupts you and how obsessed it makes you. And I think the movie does a great job showing that even with that alternate Dr. Strange, where Dr. Strange is generally a very level-headed, very intellectual, powerful person. And you see that he is completely obsessed with finding Christine's and wanting Christine's yeah. in that alternate version, like to the point he's willing to trade the dark hole to get a Christine, you know? And so to me, that shows like when you take a really broken, tragic character like Wanda, and then you give her a, a book that corrupts you and makes you obsessed with what you want or what you can't have it's like, it makes perfect sense to me. I never I never felt like it was shoehorned. You know, I felt like it was a really well-done character, you know, turned to the dark side, essentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I could find some critiques in this film, um, it honestly would be that I wish they would have gone a little bit more mad in the multiverse of madness that I they would have really Absolutely. dialed it up more. Like, it was cool to see there was that scene where they're kind of get punched in through different realities and they get oh, punched into, like, scene. the paint scene. Yeah. And, like
1: the animated scene yeah
0: the animated scene it was like uh, that was a 30 to 45 seconds of mad brilliance and i was like i want to see more of this and then when they did um, one of my favorite scenes was the um the the fight scene that involved like the musical notes and this is like classic i love that sam raimi and then um what was the uh um danny elfman danny elfman yes the uh the composer who's who has written uh, a lot of um great films to include the original spider-man which i think that that soundtrack score is arguably one of the best superhero soundtrack scores the original um toby mcguire spider-man films that he conducted and man his music in the backdrop where doctor strange is fighting dark doctor strange which is another cool character like there's there's so much interesting stuff in this film i feel like the more i talk about it the more i'm like oh, i want to bump this rating up even more it's so good
1: so i i do have a pretty solid rating for this one i will say uh there are critiques on this one, uh, along with No Way Home. Uh, and again, you know, they they talk about incursions in this movie. That becomes a big talking point with the Illuminati. And to me, so I was kind of like, yeah, so when all these characters came in from the Spider-Man universe, was that potentially going to cause an incursion? You know, like, there was, uh, again, some things where I'm like, I wish they you know, kept a little more continuity or explained it better. But I think uh, my main issues with Doctor Strange would be the lack of madness. We really only got to see, minus that one quick, uh, montage. We were only really in a total of three universes, and you know, one of them only being for a couple minutes uh, with that Dark Doctor Strange. The other, the other two, you know, our universe, and then the Illuminati one took up, you know, the whole screen. So it didn't feel like the multiverse of madness to me. Yeah. And I know, you know, people. A lot of times, people don't like cameos and characters just to be shooting horned in for like the. uh the appeal of it you know but i i do feel like this movie could have this would have been such a fun movie to put in more just crazy alternate versions of heroes uh i love seeing the illuminati i loved what happened with that fight scene with them well, and, Wanda and um, just getting destroyed professor
0: x that was pretty cool
1: uh, that was i mean the professor x and then uh john krasinski you know actually being <laughs> the fan casting for john krasinski actually being you know reed richards was amazing i think people lost it when those two came on screen and uh I you know I loved that part of it. I actually just like you said I agree with you. I, I I wanted some more crazy madness. I wanted more things like that musical fight. I wanted more crazy multiverses. I wanted to see more alternate versions of characters. Um but and, and I also felt like the scripting was a little clunky at times. Uh like it felt like it was unpolished. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. But I felt like otherwise this was actually a really solid Doctor Strange sequel.
0: I agree. I think that um, man from a I think that the only sequel, like uh, standalone origin story and sequel combo that could top this would be Captain America. In my Really, mind. yeah. I think that, that's interesting. I think that um, yeah, I mean I think that Iron Man and Thor, their sequels kind of fell flat, but man, this this really was was pretty interesting. Um, I think I'm gonna give the edge uh, if you give like just the first and second movie combat, I'm probably going to give The Edge Captain America, just because how much The Winter Soldier, in my mind, elevated beyond the original, and the original was a solid film, so my rating yeah. for this one, um, pretty high, is an 81.
1: My rating for Doctor Strange The Multiverse of Madness is also an 81.
0: Dude, look at all that, look at that <laughs> synergy we have.
1: That synergy. Yeah, because I gave the original Doctor Strange a 79, and um, I know a lot of people... This movie actually had really mixed reviews. I
0: gave reviews. it an 83, so you actually bumped it up two points from the original. I, I bumped it down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I, it was a tough call for me. I, I consider them to be both extremely close in quality, and I know a lot of people consider the first Doctor Strange to be the better movie. Um, I just, again, this was kind of a similar thing to Eternals. It's like where they went a completely different route from typical Marvel movie. They went the horror route, and they used one of their... You know, they made it another Avenger, the main villain in it. I just loved some of the risk that they took in this movie. Uh, so I had to give it a couple points of kudos for
0: that. All right, this brings us to our final film we're gonna talk about today. Um film that just came out recently. And I think is a really good one to end this um this kind of phase four point... Four, four first half, um, is Thor, Love and Thunder. This is the um the fourth film, fourth film in the uh the yeah. Thor uh, franchise sequence and you know it's the only um, Marvel character who's gotten four films so far
1: Exactly, uh, it's
0: pretty yeah. interesting you know they've, they're kind of rumored at um, Captain America getting a fourth installment but it would probably not be um, Chris Evans obviously playing uh, Captain America if anything maybe a cameo but oh yeah, yeah Joe been, Biden uh, Captain America this has been uh, Chris Hemsworth from from the very beginning and um, man high level stuff for me I'm just going to kind of rattle out there um i think that this film was uh entertaining it was better than i expected i actually had pretty low expectations for this film um i really liked the villain i love christian bale's portrayal of the god butcher i think the god butcher is a phenomenally interesting character um and i think it kind of continues that theme that we were talking about what happens if your heroes let you down and i think that um the God butcher character, like is literally asking that question where these gods are letting him down. So that was a phenomenal, um, installment to me. That's a great point. Um, Yeah. I did feel like, man, there's just a level of bland. I felt like the, uh, I felt like a lot of the plot points just fell flat for me. And what was such an interesting character in Thor, I felt like got pushed aside in, in, in exchange for, um, for a two bit, uh, comedy and, and uh punchlines that were, just kind of fell flat. I felt like there's a lot of a lot of things that missed the mark in this film and it, it kinda made me sad. I was like this is not uh living up to how I'd seen Thor in previous installments. So um yeah what did you think Sam?
1: Yes I'm gonna come out uh I'll say the positive first because <laughs> I am going to uh, list out some big negatives for this one. But uh, positive again I love the color palette. I loved mm-hmm. um the I, I did Realm enjoy was
0: awesome.
1: the shadow. So that whole black and white fight scene where the only color is from the charged hammers. I thought that was beautifully done. I love that fight scene taking yeah, place on a small cool. asteroid. I agree. I love Christian bell as the God butcher. I honestly, though, it was one of those things where I loved him enough that it made me angry how little he was on screen. I was like, yeah. he, to bring such an A-list actor in and not have more screen time and more story, and more development. And he was such a powerhouse too. I was actually kind of frustrated that to me he almost felt like this is a villain you could have almost led up to, like hinted yes. at in previous movies or yes. even not killed him off because he just felt like he could have been him, such an intimidating. Think. I agree. The movie, the, he was such a good villain. I would have loved to see him return. Um, also, kind of a fun little fact, this is the first Thor movie we don't get Loki in, which is interesting as that a major role. I did um, think about that. So oh, we got to backtrack you know,
0: though, speaking of we film we got to hear the box office.
1: Oh yeah, uh so well, this is a tough one because it just came out, so the box <laughs> office is still uh still going. Uh but yeah, it opened up to I think it was about 143 million dollar opening weekend, which is a really solid opening weekend. It was made on about a 250 million dollar budget, so it had a pretty large budget. Um yeah, very large budget actually. So it's that's the largest budget in Phase 4 so far. And it's uh, currently at just about $500 million as of recording this episode. So I, I do expect Thor, to, this movie, to probably get to probably somewhere between the million, uh, $700 dollar seven hundred to $800 million range uh, yeah. total box office. So it'll be um, probably close to Thor Ragnarok. And I think it's interesting that it won't pass it. But again, I think it had really mixed reviews and not near as good word of mouth. So I don't think it's going to have quite the same legs as Thor Ragnarok did. So it'll be interesting to see if it's able to match it once the total box office uh, numbers are
0: in. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, a lot of interesting things about this film. But back to what you were saying about, um, about the positives.
1: Um, yeah, so I guess another positive I enjoyed was I did enjoy some of the fight scenes. I want to say they were epic, but I, I thought there were some really solid fight scenes. And, uh, man, I guess that's probably most, oh, <laughs> big, big one. I actually loved the ending of this film. Um, I thought it was a really beautiful ending. And I think it's the only scene I can think of in the movie that went more than two minutes without putting a joke in. Uh, <laughs> but like that end scene in eternity, you know, where he convinces Christian Bale And again, some people are like, oh, you know, he just said a couple words and all of a sudden the guy changes his mind. But I thought it was really beautiful that he convinces him to – he realizes like, hey, like instead of killing all the gods and making your wish out of hate, you can make your wish out of love and bring your daughter back. Yeah. And I thought that was uh, actually really cool. And I thought seeing Natalie Portman, you know, die in that scene – it, 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 I do think watching this movie, it makes a relationship. Uh, if, if this is one of those, I will give it this movie credit for that. Like if I after watching Thor: Love and Thunder, I feel like the original Thor movie, when they first meet and start developing a relationship, is going to hold yeah uh, much more weight to it now, knowing sure. where her story arc goes.
0: Even Thor two uh, kind of gets a little redemption from this film. Um, I think they're kind yeah. of pulling on that. I did also love the ending of this film, and actually one of my favorite um, sequences was at the very end when um, Uncle Thor and um, <laughs> and the uh, young love girl are uh, just kind of diving and off she has it. Stormbreaker. Yeah, she has yeah. Stormbreaker. I think I, I was like, man, I want to see a whole film of them just going on escapades. That'd be pretty fun. Um, yeah.
1: I enjoyed it. I thought Natalie Portman was fun in this movie. I think the one thing, um, and I guess another thing I enjoyed is that they both kind of were still shown to have feelings for each other. Like, it wasn't yeah. one of those things where Thor was, you know, fumbling over, and she was just like, oh, you know, that's my the old ex-boyfriend who's still... Wanting me or lusting after me. It was kind of cool that they were both being very awkward and you could still, there was, there was still that love intention there, which was, uh, I enjoy that they took that route with it. Yeah. Um, but my big, I'm going to get into the critiques now, so uh, which is why this, this movie is going to take some big hits. Uh, To me, where Ragnarok danced on a line of too much humor, this movie went way past. Yes, thank uh, you. It was excessive. I could too not, much. Uh, and not, not to say I had several times I was laughing out loud. I loved it, uh, but it was, yeah the humor was excessive to the point where you uh, it, it felt like i love you know what td as the director i apologize i'm saying his name wrong but uh i think he's a great director but gore the god butcher is such a hardcore villain and is such a powerhouse it just all that humor and with his intense storyline those tones just did not pair did well not together mix. at all
0: they did not yeah they
1: just don't mix and it was really sad because I loved Christian Bale's Gore, but it was so jarring to go from these constant one-liners, um, and it was to the point where it was hurting the characters, uh, the character traits, and that's gonna be that's gonna lead me to my probably my biggest issue in the whole movie, is that we've talked about previously how much of a uh, how much you know how much we love the arc of Thor from the mm-hmm. first movie through Infinity War. And, you know, into Endgame, where he's dealing with depression and things, but, like, how triumphant it is and how much he changes that character. And this movie opens up with him just being completely a doofus and, you know, destroying these people's temples. And it's like they they literally throw away all his character progression to give you a couple laughs. Yes. And that killed me. He was horrible. Um, And that was that was the thing i was like this is not the thor that we got to see grow like wise and powerful in infinity war yeah you know like he's literally just a joke he's like bumbling around they're making him do making him an idiot to try to squeeze more last out of the film which it, um,
0: it erodes this such a great character and i think i've talked about this previously on the podcast yeah. that thor's character arc is probably my favorite um of all the heroes because of how much he's been through and where he's gone as a character progression and I, I think that's an amazing point where the, the humor takes away from that and really kind of hurts his character and makes his character take a step back. It's really important. Yeah, and again,
1: we love Marvel humor. We know it's part of the films. Uh, so it's not that I hate Marvel humor. I'm like, oh, this movie hat. But it's when you use when you're so desperate to try squeezing a few more laughs that you're willing to uh, kill previous character progression. That's where I take offense to it. Yes. Um Another issue I had, of course, was the lack of screen time for Gore. But that being said, he's like Gore the God Butcher, and pretty much everything he does is off screen. So, like, there were very few gods he killed. So, there wasn't like he's he is powerful and he is scary, but there wasn't like any major people that we know or like really cared about that he like killed or iced where it was like, oh, hey, like. You know, like when Thanos, he had that big grand entrance where he takes out the Hulk in a fist fight and then yeah. kills Loki. And you're like, oh, my God, there wasn't anything like that for gore in this movie. Um, like how crazy which, would
0: it have been for like a scene for him to show up and just kill Valkyrie? Like how crazy would that have been? That would been kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Or another big one is uh, what if I, I would have loved this is if a gore shows up to uh, Olympus where all the gods are at. And he just starts tearing through gods there, and like it just would have been horrifying, you know. I would have been. Um, another thing I didn't like was that Stormbreaker is able to open a portal to infinity where you can get one wish. That seems like that would have been an extremely useful thing during the Infinity and Endgame saga. So again, that plays into the same thing. <clears throat> like Doctor Strange, it's like these characters are now being shown in Phase Four to have these abilities or be able to do these things that, like, hey, this would have been really crazy useful. Uh, during, <laughs> you know, during this massive ending to the Infinity Saga, that's a good point. Um, I hadn't thought about another that. thing, yeah, that was a big one. Another issue I have with the movie. I, I know rallying on a lot of things here, but it's like another one that really killed me. Again, it was for the sake of trying to make a really cool, funny scene. Was the end of the movie when Thor goes up to all the kids and he temporarily grants them all his powers, and I'm like, they make it where this is something that he could do, and I'm like, if Thor could do this, why didn't he? Would have 100 percent done this during Endgame yeah i mean he would have given it all or even in infinity war what if he landed there in infinity war looked at all the wakanda army and said hey you all have now the powers of thor yeah like they just made it like this thing he could do and i was like that is a crazy Man, overpowered that. ability yeah that they just say that he can do and I'm like, i am they have to retcon that somehow because that literally to me breaks so many things in the infinity saga if he can just bestow his power to other heroes at will because that's I mean, that's insane. (laughs) You know, like, he just looked at an (laughs) army of children and it all gave them Thor powers. And I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah, it's a cool, it's a fun scene, but...
0: (laughs) A quick aside on that, though... um so he abused these kids with Thor-like powers, and then he goes off and goes to fight the God Butcher, and leaves the kids without any adult supervision. Yeah, Dude, this, like there's a those kids should have slaughtered each other. You saw this little girl that's like literally grabbing a teddy bear and shooting lasers out of her and the teddy bear's eyes, and she's just spinning around, around in circles. Like there's definitely an R-rated version of this where like she's chopping off limbs of her friends because of how crazy it is. And then and then the film ends where he's taking care of a little girl like i don't know if we should trust thor's character to take care of kids exactly
1: it's like he just gave a bunch of kids door powers and sent them against like shadow monsters you know with no training and uh yeah
0: i have a question for you sam because this is uh i think that those are phenomenal points i think uh that actually since you've kind of brought some of those things up how it fractures the power like adding these extra power elements fractures the previous films, because why wouldn't you have used that in the past? Like with the doctor strange spell. And then now with like some of Thor's stuff, one of the things that I saw in this film, I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Um So it's, it's with the use of the Thor power, specifically with how um, Thor, uh, it took him three movies in order to gain access to become the God of thunder, where he was able to harvest the thunder and like the lightning in his eyes. To me, that was a phenomenally yeah. cool uh, progression where he, Kind of moved from Thor One where he was unworthy and he lost his worthiness to he's like figuring out who he is and he finally can at the end of Ragnarok become the god of thunder and then you see that like really play out when he's able to be the god of thunder in Infinity War, which is I think one of the best culminations of that whole story arc. But then I was like, wait a second, so you're saying that Jane just like can pick up mjolnir and then all of a sudden she has the power to become the god of thunder and like use like lightning bolts in her eyes like no that took thor like lots of like personal growth and character progression to get to the point where he could use those powers but all of a sudden she's just using them willy-nilly like to me that felt like a little bit offensive because of how um kind of sacred those powers were and how hard thor had to work to get those so i don't know what you think about that
1: I, uh, that was actually one thing, even going into the trailer and watching the film, I was like, this is such a crazy convenience that like the one person that Thor, you know, dates and meets, runs into on earth is able to pick up the hammer. But I actually, even though it was a little bit of like, again, plot convenient point, I love that they made the note that he, when he spoke to the hammer, he's able to give it an enchantment to protect her. And, you know, the hammer's, yeah. inter- for, you know, interpretation of that was for it to, you know, it's not like maybe sentient, but like was to give her powers, you know? Yeah. Um, so it felt a little weird that like that she was able to lift the hammer, but again, she wasn't able... So I did appreciate that. I, I like that it was more of an enchantment on the hammer that he, you know, had like had the hammer swear to protect her if he was ever not around. Um, and even though it wasn't It actually made her condition worse, which was kind of funny. But it, it, you know, that aspect of it was great. I preferred that than it being like, oh, this is another person that's worthy who can pick it up. I, I prefer that it was an enchantment because... It would have taken away from Cap being able to pick up the hammer. Uh, And like you said, it would have taken away from how hard Thor had to work to be able to be worthy of the hammer. So I like that it was more of like an enchantment on the hammer that gave her the ability to use it. Um, So I didn't have too much issue I was able to see past that point. I also felt like this movie uh, jumped around a lot. Like there was just a lot of things that were just off screen. Like it could have really benefited from another 20 minutes of runtime. Yeah. Uh, Especially with most of that 20 minutes being for it's gore yeah. <laughs> yeah i love i got i want i want to i wanted to see more of them uh because i did enjoy the character but yeah i yeah but this one ready. was uh i'm so torn on this one man because there are things i liked and again i loved christian bale on it yeah i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell you right now i have it below the original thor and quite oh. a bit below thor ragnarok and my main thing is do i put it below the dark world or right above it
0: Oh, interesting. Um, that's pretty low.
1: Yeah. Right now, I, I'm i going to give it a 64.
0: Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't know if I've seen you give a rating that low in a while. It's been a while since I've heard you say uh, something in the 60s, so you obviously had some, um, some thoughts about this one. I am going to give it a 69. Um, okay. So actually a little bit higher than that, but um, still... Kind of in that D range.
1: Yeah, I gave it one point above Thor The Dark World right now, which I do think is the better movie. But you have to remember, I am actually applied your formula to this one because I think it is better than Thor The Dark World. But we're coming off the husk of this incredible character development in Infinity War in game. Yeah. And we're coming off of his best movie in the entire franchise, Ragnarok. And this is the only character to get a fourth movie. So for me, it's like if Marvel's greenlighting a fourth movie for a solo character, they better have a good idea and it better be a good movie. A lot
0: of the weight is on performance for this. Yeah, I agree. Well, man, we have made it through all the movies for um, for Phase Four first half. Um, I think we want to hit on a few things before we, we tie this up. I think the biggest one, maybe just kind of stepping back, is let's let's take a kind of a broader MCU look back. Let's look at uh, Phase One through Four right now, and maybe include any of the conversation on on TV shows that you want to talk about, Sam. But I'm just kind of curious, hear your thoughts. Like now we are we've been in this. Uh, this saga for 14 years and running. Um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts right now of of the past and then kind of where the trajectory of things are going?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I loved, um, it, it's just, it's still incredible to me that we get to be in a universe where these movies and this series got so popular and actually exist. It got made like when I look through phase one through three, all the way through the infinity saga, I just, Uh, It blows my mind that as, you know, fans of these characters growing up that we got to see this hit the big screen. Um, So as much as sometimes we critique or hate these movies, I'm, you know, still uh, just absolutely thrilled that we did get to have this saga. Um, I will say after Endgame ended, I I do think there was, I'm still excited to see the movies. I still go to the theater to see them. There was, I think, a level of like, to me, I, I don't know if I'll ever have that same level of thrilling excitement As the first three phases of marvel like you saying, getting to see this thing actually kick off being in middle school when it started and seeing it progress to this you know this like literally worldwide popular franchise um in our lifetimes i i don't know if marvel's ever going to reach that peak again uh you know hopefully i'm wrong but i do think you know i'm still excited for phase four and and beyond uh, but I, 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 just phase one through three will always hold that special place for me, I think.
0: I agree, man. And, and you know, like watching Thor, I think I mentioned this earlier in some of these films, it just kind of made me sad because I was like, man, this is a uh, a shadow of what uh, Marvel was for me and for us kind of growing up. But if anything, the fact that phase four isn't hitting the mark of the previous phases kind of speaks to how, quali- how how much of a special thing and how quality um, that that infinity saga really was you know like if they were able to hit it out of the park in phase four and beyond in at the same manner it almost would like make you think well it wasn't really that special and no like the fact that it's kind of hard to replicate and the fact that they're having a hard time pulling it back to that level of quality is um kind of a testament to how great it was i think um a lot of our ratings for this uh phase four have kind of been hovering in that that high 60s low 70s range where it's a good film we'd go see it but it's not a great film and it's kind of hits a lot of the bland marks. and i think um, yeah. i think we're going to be hitting like i'm suspecting that that's going to be the the status quo moving forward where i'm going to be seeing the next marvel movie that comes out and be like oh yeah that had some interesting elements it was funny it had some cool things but it did not bring me so much excitement and, and enjoy that the phase one through it, three movies yeah did.
1: it didn't like change the franchise like something like a winter soldier movie
0: or yeah. guardians of the galaxy did like, yeah and go ahead we may never see like a high 80s like 90 plus rated film again from marvel and like I, I have to kind of be okay with that
1: yeah and i'm actually curious so i uh when i look at my ratings from phase one to phase four they're actually pretty equivalent so i know it's crazy that sounds like when i look at the movies i rated. Uh, I don't have any 90s in Phase Four, but my movies really aren't that far off when you look at the numbers I gave them. Yeah. Um, but I was looking at scary by years. I don't think you have a single film that goes above um, an 80 or hits the 80 mark in Phase Four so far.
0: So I did give Doctor Strange two an 81, and oh, you did.
1: So that's the only one, yeah. right? Yeah, and above it's actually an interesting because yeah. I
0: had that at a 78 when we first started talking, but there was, um, I, I there was enough quality elements and not too many errors in that film that, that convinced me to bump it above the 80 mark. And I just remember thinking it was super cool how they, they kind of pushed the envelope on that film and I want to see more of that. So I kind of want to reward that in my ratings. But yeah, to your point, like uh, I that's it's hovering at the low 80 mark. So um, it might not be the it's, same level for me moving forward.
1: It's, sh- it's shocking to me though, because I will say, I think that's a huge upset. Um, I would say from myself and the general audience is that you put Doctor Strange above No Way Home, that you gave it a higher rating. Because uh, Doctor Strange had pretty mixed reviews, which I, again, I love the movie, or I really, really enjoyed it at least. And uh, so I was kind of shocked to see how many people were kind of harking on it. But uh, it is crazy for me to see that you rated it even higher than No Way Home.
0: It kind of surprised me too, but then it got me thinking, uh, the reason why is because I was felt so kind of um, backslapped by how bad the Doctor Strange first act was in that film. And that kind of brings us to something I want to talk about a little bit, which is um we kind of kicked around this idea of revisionist marvel what what things would we be oh change yes if we could? and one of so the this ones, could get into yeah so, go for it yeah this could be interesting and, and i want to hear some of your um some of the ones that that you're thinking of that maybe we haven't talked about but i know one we've kicked around a while is like what, how would we change the introduction of the multiverse and one of the things that we've kind of kicked around and um i'll, I'll let you expound on it because i think you have some ideas too it would be how could we kind of pull in the elements of of wandavision and let wanda be the reason why the multiverse fractured in her grief like unintentionally fractured and how cool would it be if the opening sequence of no way home instead of like was this weird um kind of spell that dr strange cast what if it was dr strange and um spider-man going tag team to try to help and save wanda and then wanda in her grief kind of lashes out and then fractures things and then you're like in this oh shit what's going on and then that really sets off the events of the multiverse event it's like yeah. how much more exciting would that have been and how much more i guess less deflating it like in, in damaging yeah. the Strange's character i don't know it would have been cool to see some stuff like that
1: I agree with you. And it's like, yeah, you take this broken, super powerful character and it's like, it kind of makes more sense for them to be the one to fracture the multiverse. Uh, I do think you would have to make a, you know, one or two convenient plot points, but nothing like you had to stretch for Doctor Strange. And uh, it is interesting that No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness were yet. Yeah, I mean, those were, you know, Spider-Man came out then, Multiverse of Madness. So those movies could have been more connected than uh, they were, you know, and it could have worked really well. So I have like three different ways this could go. They're all different. Uh, But things I thought about, and it it kind of applied to both films, uh, kind of interchanged here. Uh, But to me, in Spider-Man No Way Home, you should have had a team up of characters. It could have even been other heroes, but it would have been so fun to launch that movie off with them going to visit Wanda when they realize, you know, something's maybe not right. Uh, Because I did love, and and I'm a little torn on this one, because I did love that when you first see her in Multiverse of Madness, she isn't the bad guy. You get that reveal in Multiverse of Madness, you know, like when Doctor Strange goes to talk to her. Um, so I, I'm a little torn on like revealing that she is a bad guy, but I think there is a way you could make it where you don't realize how far she's gone off the deep end, you know? So it'd been really cool for them. Maybe go see her. She's trying to do a spell to dream walk or see her kids or something like that. In the beginning of this movie and Spider-Man tries to interfere with the spell. Again, I know this is like a little bit like just plot convenience, but him trying to interfere with the spell somehow makes it where it's his characters and his villains and his alternates that are starting to come into the universe. Um, and I think that would have been so much cooler when they try to stop her. And it would have been really cool, too, because you had other characters get thrown all the way around, you know, the multiverse or different places. And then that way, it's really Spider-Man. And then you basically just have the movie play out like it did from that same point from there. But you keep Doctor Strange's character arc and his character traits intact by doing that. Uh, another way, another thing I thought about was would have been really cool is, you know, we talked about the scene in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness where there was a deleted scene with Mordo. Um, you know the the guy from the first Doctor Strange movie. He's now hunting you know people with magic, uh, and it would been. I, I remember the reason they cut that was they didn't want to reveal at the very beginning opening scene that Wanda was the bad guy already before Doctor Strange got to talk to her. Um, but it would have been really cool for mordo to have gone to wanda like in a post-credit scene i thought that would have been actually a really cool thing to have done as a post-credit scene and you didn't have to show him die you just show him show up to wanda's place and the credit scene ends and then dr strange plays out like it does but when he shows up to talk to wanda you see like mortal's body impaled on a tree or something that would have been such a cool like oh crap like she's you know, because it, it would have made it felt off. You know, like, let's say you see that post-credits scene that Mordo's going to talk to her in the post-credits scene of Spider-Man. Yeah. And then you open up to Doctor Strange to go talk to her, and it's like this apple orchard. Everything's all good. She just wants to see the girl. But you know, like, wait, you know, at the end of Spider-Man, Mordo showed up to kill her. Like, what happened with all that? And then all of a sudden, yeah, boom, he's Dude, just there. He's I, dead. I he's impaled. I think it would have been such an so epic eerie. way to, like... It would have been such an eerie Sam Raimi way to, like, oh, man like set her up for how powerful and brutal and vicious she is with the darkhold.
0: Yeah. And it would have kind of tied the knot on, um, Spider-Man no Way home because they probably would have introduced going to Wanda, but then you'd be at the very end of the, the spider film after all that excitement and be like, Oh wait, whatever happened with Wanda, they like, visit her in the first scene. And then you have that as a post sequence be like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And just keeps the guessing. Yeah. I think that was the biggest one in my mind that could have been changed. I think what well, you mentioned earlier in this podcast, just having a black widow happen um, kind of post Infinity War, but before Endgame, I can't agree more. Like that would have been the easiest one because they wouldn't even had to change anything aside from just release it earlier. I don't know how how yeah. um if that was ever discussed with like the Kevin Feige production, but man, that could have been. I'm not sure. Really phenomenal. And,
1: and I, I know they're still working this out. I don't know. I gotta think they have more of a plan they showed us on screen. But I've noticed the Phase Four movies have given us very little overarching wise. Like Doctor Strange was really hasn't done much to set up other movies. You know what I'm saying? Like it kind of yeah. opened and concluded. Um, same thing with No Way Home. Shang-Chi had a post credits scene that kind of hinted at something, but then it hasn't gone anywhere so far. So like it, it does feel a lot like phase one and that whatever they're building up, they have not given us much. There's no there hasn't really been any character interactions or overlap. Uh, too much yet. And which
0: kind of to your point of giving the, the individual directors more latitude I think that that's one of the cons of that which is a little bit more segmentation and yeah. the delivery of the, the coherent themes.
1: Because I'm watching all these movies in phase 4 and I am I have no idea even after 6 movies how these characters are going to to like who's the next big bad's going to be how these characters are going to come together to interact because um, you know by phase 2 of the MCU we were already kind of getting some character team ups we were getting a lot of post credit scene hints we were getting a lot of infinity stones there hasn't actually really been anything in Phase Four except some, of course, the overarching theme of there being multiverses. Uh, but even that has been very like segmented and separated so far. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. But uh, yeah, I think that's one big change I'd make. What are are there any other changes you would make on some of these previous films? I know we can probably go a long I feel time like the on biggest this.
0: Biggest change in, uh, would be uh, redoing how they do Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> oh man many many points about that film could have been redone in much better f- fashion
1: yeah we're gonna get right back to the argument here i <laughs> yeah. i will say i agree <laughs> with you that like Civil war to me could have should have been its own like separate trilogy if it was done oh, properly crazy. Uh, i think that would have been amazing but i also like for a uh again i say my like for a solo movie and knowing that they it would have been so hard for them to do this whole separate Civil war arc while also still working towards the Infinity Sock, in my opinion. Um, it would have been, I think it would have been too much.
0: But, you know, one of the things that I'm in, we're going to kind of transition. We can keep hopping before, back and forth between things that yeah, are sure. different. But one of the things I want to talk about before we close out is uh, the future of Marvel, where, what things we'd like to see moving forward. And one of the things I would love to see with some of these uh, multiverse uh, like openings is more um, kind of, I guess, boldness with trying to do some crazy things underneath the safety net that is, it could be in a different alternate universe. So um, could they have a almost comic book level um, uh, Civil War where Captain America dies at the end? They absolutely could in in an alternate universe. I don't know if they'd be able to do that with with current actors, but maybe they could uh, do that in some type of animated fashion. I would love to see some, some areas where this goes in different universes. One thing I'd love to see would be like, a pretty, I uh, really liked where dark, Sam Raimi kind of took the darkness of uh, Dark Strange 2. What if we had some dark heroes that popped out and they just had a full villainous movie, kind of like a Joker style where there is no redemptive arc. It's just the bad character. And you kind of see where where that goes. that could be kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I'd love to see some crazy things like that.
1: I totally agree with you. And Marvel really, the closest they've given us was the Loki Disney Plus series, Even that was more of like a redemptive story. In some ways, than like a full on, you know, dark villain um, movie. And I did want to briefly mention what we have upcoming in the rest of phase four. Uh, so, of course, after Thor and Thunder here, which was just July 8th, uh, our next movie is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is November 11th. Um, you know, it, I love Chadwick, you know, Chadwick Boseman, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm super sad about it, but I just, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with this movie um, after the events of that. Uh, After Black Panther, you know, we're going to have 2023, February 7th, we're going to have the Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania, so their finale. And then May 5th, we're going to get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, finally, uh, which is one I am excited for. And then we're going to get a movie called The Marvels, uh, July 28th, 2023, which I assume is going to be having, you know, Captain Marvel, um, maybe Miss Marvel, and uh, from the uh, Disney Plus series here. And then there's been rumors that Fantastic Four may actually happen in Phase 4, but I don't know if that's going to be Phase 4 or if that's going to get saved to Phase 5, because there's really still no details on it yet. But I have heard uh, that the uh, D23 Expo, um, coming up here in September, uh, it sounds like there are rumors that they're going to announce the cast for Fantastic Four and potentially the director for it. Interesting. Uh, So I'm very excited about that, because... Uh, We really haven't gotten a good Fantastic Four movie. The original ones from the 2000s were okay, but they were cheesy and stuff. So I would love a great Fantastic Four movie. I think there's some really cool villains and some cool stories they could tell there.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um,
1: I actually got to say, if Fantastic Four gets done right, or they're able to make a really good movie out of it, uh, I could see it being one of my favorites of Phase Four, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, we'll see what happens and then
0: that's in addition to the slew of uh disney plus series they seem to be either announcing or rumoring they might be announced so man we're getting get saturated with a lot of content it'll be interesting to see uh, what pops out as good if not great if possible so
1: yeah i would love for them to do some really unique projects like they did with one division we just haven't seen really much more of that on the disney plus series um and i feel like there's so much stuff they could do with like you said maybe some of the smaller darker heroes and uh we did get moon Knight, which i actually enjoyed that series but again it had some there were some very good high points but a lot of uh, very mediocre points in that series so it's it's one of those things i want to see more of those street level vigilante style heroes right um but it's like it, it's also kind of begs the question is disney plus going to be the right platform for them to put those on
0: well now we're uh, talking about vigilante and maybe think of Daredevil. Um... And how he made a cameo in uh, No Way Very Home. Very interesting, and yeah. um, that kind of even further kind of pushes. Um,
1: Love that scene.
0: <laughs> the uh, kind of the craziness of hey, where are you going to see these kind of characters from different um, areas of the comic book universe kind of merge together? When when the X Men are kind of like rumored to get more involved, uh, so mm-hmm. there could be a lot of madness. So it'll be interesting to see.
1: I agree. And I almost kind of hope that this multiverse stuff gets, um, I, I got to think they're going to revisit it. And that's kind of my hope is that Doctor Strange, they kind of tame down the cameos to a bit because they have some really huge ideas for the multiverse down the road. And that's kind of my that's my hope right now is that that's why uh, we didn't get as many different character versions as you know maybe we wanted to see. Um, I also did want to note that we're, you know, even past phase four, there's plans for like a Blade film. Uh, Disney's going to be doing another Deadpool film, so the third Deadpool film. There'll probably be a Captain America sequel with, uh, you know, Sam Wilson, the Falcon. And then there'll probably be a Shang-Chi sequel as well. So those are all ones that they don't have release dates, but it sounds like those are all movies that are uh, in the works. So there's a lot to look forward to in Marvel. Uh, I will say, unfortunately, just because none of them have wowed me, I I still watch the Disney Plus series, but there's nothing... Uh, currently on the slate for Disney Plus that I'm uh, extremely excited for right now.
0: Yeah, well, we'll have to tune in, in the future and see what what pops out there. um One thing I do want to circle back on: I know we've been doing all these podcasts, and we've been giving them rankings, and I'm loving yes. it. And we're going to release those in some form or fashion at some point. Um, kind of put it together a graphic of where Sam and I see the rankings, and uh, I'm looking at the graph here and. It's, it's pretty interesting to see kind of where our numbers are throughout all the Infinity Saga. And that's kind of what I'm, we're kind of curious about mostly is like where we see that we rack and stack the Infinity Saga movies. However, one of the things we notice when we look at the data is that Sam has four sets of movies that are tagged with the same rating number. And so we're just going to do a quick rapid fire session <laughs> yeah. because I'm really curious to know where Ooh, these rank head to head. And I think this would be an interesting way to kind of um, set up maybe the end of this um this uh this podcast because it's kind of kind of a look back um i'm, I'm very curious to see where you're gonna rank these so, so we're gonna start yeah with-
1: and we actually i do have to say real quick you have to call me out if i if i change a number because of course i'm gonna have to hire lower higher one of the movies uh, to separate them it may cause another conflict so if that happens just let me know so but-
0: i'm what i'm gonna do to avoid that is i'm gonna make you uh give a half point raise or a half point subtraction to one of these movies so I'll let you choose. Okay. So it's gonna kind of make the um, rating scale a little bit a little bit off, but um, that way you, there's no way you can uh, interfere with a, an adjacent one. Okay. Um, and then we can always uh, kind of adjust them later. Um, I'm not saying these are gonna necessarily change your ratings. I probably think I'll keep your raw ratings because those are obviously your your original ones. But this will help d- differentiate. So then we can kind of compare. Oh, them.
1: And Before you do this, uh, I did want to quickly note, because when we did the ratings, remember, I kind of did mine out of a scale of almost 100. Like, I picked my favorite Marvel movie, which, if yes. you listen to the last episode, was Avengers Infinity War, and we realized that Harlan uh, didn't really have that movie. That was that 99 or 100. That was like that near, you know, piece the, yeah. the way we were doing this ranking system, you remember, is we're picking our, what I, at least how I do is so you picked your favorite Marvel movie, and that was your 99 or 100, you know, your near perfect Marvel movie. And then you ranked everything else against that. So uh, yeah. Harlan had it a little bit different. So if I recall, Harlan, you uh, gave yourself like a two or three point curve on your movies.
0: Yeah. So um, Scores. I was kind of giving, I was kind of approaching a different way and kind of looking at like the entire, like the kind of average movie in the um, film and kind of giving that around like a 70 and then kind of scaling up, scaling mm-hmm. down. So I gave Infinity Wars my highest ranked film in 96. And actually, since then, now that I've kind of reviewed the ratings. I've actually bumped that one up to 97 and actually bumped Captain Marvel down from 72 to 69. So that's going to be kind of my, my final locked-in ratings. But in order to compare Sam's data set to mine, I'm going to apply a two-point curve to mine to bump my Avengers Infinity War up to a 99. And then I'll, I'll, I'll take Sam's and give it a one-point uh, curve drop to 99. And the reason why we're setting it at 99 yeah. is because we do view that that is the, uh, the highest number... We, none of these movies are perfect, but that's that's um, that's kind of as close to perfect as you can get. Is we we are marking our highest rated film, which is both Infinity War, at that 99 mark. So we can kind of do comparison games um, later. Yeah, on. and again,
1: uh, just cut off. If we give a movie a 99 or 100 like we did Infinity War, it doesn't mean that we're considered the best movie ever made. It just means that that, to us, is the pinnacle of the Marvel franchise. Yes. That's the best movie that Marvel has made, and all the other movies are... Uh, ranked against that value so
0: yeah uh, and, that's yeah. why
1: harlan gave it a little bit of a boost and then i we had the one point drop on infinity war for me since you know we did kind of feel like no movie should have a hundred especially since the mcu is still going uh, but that's why we gave it that 99
0: yeah and you know like um these are all uh subjective not objective there are kind of personal opinions but one of the reasons why we we want to kind of fixate on ratings is that um kind of ratings and applying numbers to some of our discussion points is something we want to continue out through a future podcast with Kibletists and Boys, just because it, it creates an interesting um, kind of uh, talking points to see how we how we rank things, or we might do some t- different types of um, kind of uh, head-to-head competition style um, data analytics for future podcasts. I don't want to give too much into the um, what we're planning, but some yeah. of these uh, rankings are just kind of interesting ways for us to track the numbers and, and pretend like we're uh, homeschool nerds again.
1: It is perfect, too, because it really does help with uh, putting things for perspective. Like, I, we can both talk about the same film and say, we really enjoyed it, and I'll give it an 85, and you'll give it a 70. And yeah, so having it, the actual ranking the qualitative, is like, quantitative, yeah.
0: or sorry, quantitative <laughs> number to back up our qualitative thing. I think that's, that's exactly. huge, because I think for a lot of these films, I mean, there's a sort of lack of uh, grammar. We, we say, oh, yeah, we liked a lot of elements, but the numbers is where you can really compare it head to head. Yeah, how much film you actually a versus enjoyed film it. Yeah. So, without further ado, I'm going to hop in. I'm going to work on... You have, Let's uh, do it. <laughs> I'm going to work from worst rated to best rated. So, we're going to start off okay, with perfect. two films that you've rated at uh, 68. So, these are two films in the Infinity Saga. Um, that you've rated a score of 68. So, you're either going to apply a half-point bonus to one of these two, or you're going to apply a half-point um, kind of a negative score to one of these two to, to separate them. So... The two films you put it at sixty eight are Ant-Man, the original Ant-Man, and Iron Man two.
1: Oh, which okay.
0: I I saw these lined up, and I, like all these are really good matchups because obviously you picked the same score. I'm really curious what you have to say. Sorry, people, if you heard that, that was a really loud thunder. uh <laughs> I just went through here. So uh, Ant-Man yeah. versus Iron Man two. I'm very curious okay. what you have to say.
1: It's tough for me, too, because I'm—and I'm, just in all transparency, we're doing this live, so I have yes, I have not rethought not this out. I, <laughs> yeah, which will <would> be
0: <laughs> so, a little more interesting, you know.
1: It'll be more interesting. Okay, I am—Iron Man 2 coming off the cuffs is such an amazing first movie. Of course, it was a little more of a letdown, so I am going—and I felt like Ant-Man was actually a pretty solid movie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give Ant-Man that slight edge out over Iron Man 2.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. I actually gave uh Iron man as like a five points above Iron Man 2 in my mind. But yeah, mm-hmm. we kind of did the same thing. Um, all right, the second one. What's next? All right, this one's it's pretty crazy. Um, I'm actually kind of curious that uh, what you think about this one. So it's going to be Spider-Man Far From Home versus oh. Iron Man 3. They both got 72s.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give... Uh... I'm going to give Spider-Man Far From Home the edge on this one pretty easily, I think. Okay. And uh, I think a lot of people would be like, what the hell? You put those in the same bracket? Yeah, but I, mean, I, agree. I, I really wasn't a huge fan of Far From Home. and uh, But I do give it an edge over Iron Man 3 if I had to choose.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm actually looking back. I'm actually kind of surprised you gave um, Iron Man 3 such a solid uh, such a solid number. Um, but I mean, yeah, there were a lot of good aspects next to it too. So that's interesting. Um, all right this one's getting to get kind of interesting i think the next two matchups are actually really interesting to me the first doctor strange versus avengers age of ultron they both got a 79 oh Oh, crap because now you're you're pitting the original standalone film for doctor strange against a full avengers film which gets more complicated
1: I man, I love the first Doctor Strange. I thought it was such a crazy film visually. It was a great origin, really great origin story. Yeah. And Avengers Age of Ultron was pretty lackluster as an Avengers movie, but it was an Avengers movie. It had some amazing character interaction moments. Ah, oh, this is a t- really a tough one for yeah, me. Yeah, these next seasons. I really, season really season. feel like I could go either way. Um, like I said, it's, it's like a standalone character story. I give Doctor Strange the edge, but it, we've talked about this. It's so hard to compare those solo movies I to know. the That's why we're doing
0: movies. It. It's because it's uh it's yeah.
1: interesting. I am. Uh, I'm gonna give Avengers Age of Ultron a slight edge just because of how much I love some of the, uh, the event, the character interactions, and how it starts building towards, uh, phase three, and because yeah. you get the inclusion of Quicksilver, Wanda, and Vision, uh, which I, I thought were all handled really well.
0: Yeah, that's that is interesting. Uh, that's why I, I gotta yeah gotta do that. All right, are you ready for the final one? This one I think might be the hardest one. Alright. Okay, let's do it. At a score of 84, you gave Captain America the first Avenger and Thor Ragnarok the same score. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh,
1: no. Um, and this is a little bit of bias for me because I love, of course, Captain America is my favorite character. as one of my favorite arcs, but Thor is right up there. Um, I would say Iron Man and Captain America are my favorites, and then Thor's right behind them.
0: Yeah, but it's Ooh, Thor Lord. Ragnarok versus the first.
1: Yeah, um, I Ragnarok. am going to give an edge to Thor Ragnarok. It's such oh, a wow. great Thor movie. I loved First Avenger, uh, but it does in my mind First Avenger has more flaws than Ragnarok, despite how great of an origin story it is. I think Thor Ragnarok was like the movie that saved the Thor character in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so I, could, yeah, I feel I feel like I'm betraying Captain America saying this, but I got to give Ragnarok the slight edge there.
0: It's okay. We won't tell him. He's stuck back in, back in World War II. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for playing along with that. I felt that was pretty interesting. And now officially, yeah. we have um, we have all our rankings for um, the movies Phase One through Phase Four and a half, up to Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, on a scale of uh, one to one hundred. Um, Excellent. With an adjustment, uh, the highest rated film we have is Infinity. War, Avengers Infinity War, and then the lowest rated film um, I believe we both rated it the lowest, is going to be The Incredible Hulk Um, I rated it 46, he rated it 55 So um, Uh,
1: Which I did want to say though actually from a general audience standpoint um, there's a couple other films that are seen about the same quality as The Hulk if you were looking like on IMDb or on Tomatoes, but Eternals is I think actually from an audience score is rated lower than The Incredible Hulk
0: that is interesting. Uh,
1: which, of course, I disagree. I had good feelings about that one, but uh, just wanted to throw that out there as far as if we were wanting to, for people that are listening, as far as appeasing the majority, I would say that that's, uh, Eternals might be the lowest rated film on this list for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. But
1: yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, do you have any other statistics to share what our biggest delta is? And again, I kind of knew when it, we came to writing that highest film on this list you know like i said picking that 99 100 marvel film that we were yeah. both going to pick infinity war i kind of knew that from the get-go yeah it <laughs> just, and, you know, just so how much, much we loved
0: film. it um i mean so for for highest delta um by far is going to be captain america civil war you gave it a 93 i gave it a 75 so we're like two grades apart and I, we've already discussed <laughs> that uh in the last podcast kind of our major difference in length our yep. second biggest delta um was the eternals uh we had a 15-point delta with that, and I think that just kind of came from, um, again, our little bit differing perspectives on how we viewed that film, but still pretty interesting. Yeah, I think It was um, crazy.
1: That's a 15-point delta after you gave it a nine-point curve. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and that's, I think it just was, it's funny because I, I, I was finished watching, and I was like, there's actually, like, I can't really point into anything necessarily that's, like, horribly wrong with it. But I just was, it was such a struggle for me to get through that I was just like, man, the biggest problem I, with this is exploring.
1: People will list me all the reasons they don't like the film, and I can't disagree with them. Like, it's like, no, I get you. It's just, it was one of those rare upsets where, for whatever reason, I connected with it. But yeah, no, I agree that it definitely has some issues.
0: Yeah, you know, um, talking, I think in this, the whole theme of this is that my ratings have been a little bit um, more critical on a general sure. scale than you, but one of the interesting things when I was looking at the data is how um, I actually have ranked a, a superhero f- original film, like their their first film in their sequence, um, oftentimes I rate them higher than you do. So Iron Man, Thor, and the first Avengers, I rated higher than you did, as well as the first Ant-Man, the first Doctor Strange. Um, we tied on the Black Panther and then I rated Captain Marvel um, and, I believe, um, Black Widow ahead of you. So that kind of that yeah. speaks a little bit, I think, to how I give a little bit of a bump to the first uh, rating. That is interesting. And then I'll just be harsher after that if they don't what, kind of deliver.
1: What did you give Captain America the first Avenger? Or were you referring to the first Avengers movie?
0: Sorry, it was, I, I, I probably misspoke. Um, it was the first Avengers movie, which I thought was gotcha, kind of an gotcha. interesting one because... Um, both the subsequent or all the subsequent um, uh, Avenger movies, you edged me out in um, like Avengers: of Age of Ultron. You beat you had eleven and a half point difference. That was actually a pretty big delta for us. Um, and then yeah, was. Infinity War, you had by raw scores you had three points higher, and then um, End Game you had five points higher. So um, you know it was it's interesting to see that um, those deltas across the uh, across the avengers I, but then i, I do think to the first one
1: we would still have some deltas but if we applied like the harlan harsh or we could say like the harbob um curve <laughs> yeah if we put like a five point curve just because you are a much harsher critic i feel like than me I, th- I think our scores would be pretty darn close on a lot of these well
0: but... yeah i mean you look at this trend and i'm looking at just the line graph of it all playing out and we do have the same kind of uh, trajectory of our, our graph so it is kind of interesting to see that and you know i think um yeah when when we do future ratings and, and moving forward for different things, we'll have to be, I think a little bit more judicious in how we set up the rules for the ratings. So that way we can make sure they're on the same scale and they're baselined. Um, the same. way. I'm really excited to
1: see this too. Cause I'd almost would love to talk about the day a little bit, but I, I gotta think there's a couple films where were that are just shocking that one of us rated one film higher than the other film in the franchise. You know, like for me, like the big one just from today was that, uh, you had multiverse of madness rated higher than no way home, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, i'm sure there's quite a few of those when we go through the whole list though
0: yeah i mean i think um yeah I, I think there are a few of those um like you have iron man 3 significantly higher than i do um you have uh spider-man homecoming for you is um is it was pretty high um at an 80. i did like that movie yeah yeah But um, I do
1: think my Ironman three ratings, again, a couple of these, I could probably just buy a few points, but none of them would be, you know, big changes. Like I I think an argument could be made for me to bring down Ironman three about like a 69 or 70, but it's not too far off from where I would have it if I went through and try to re-rank these a little bit. So I'm pretty happy with where I have everything. Again, it's uh, all probably within two or three points of if I did really try to go back through and re-rank everything a second time, but I feel pretty good about my scores.
0: Yeah, well, you know, maybe um, not kind of overcommitting us, but maybe by the end of Phase Four, we should do kind of a Avengers recap episode. where We talk about the final movies, and then maybe do a revisit at our rankings and see if um, over time and maybe some rewatches of some of these old films, things have changed or adjusted. So that'd be kind of an interesting rewatch. Um, obviously, that'd probably be several years down the road because we got to wait for um, the rest of these <laughs> yeah. films to come out. But man, there are two man, years of Phase Four movies. Talk about this has um, been awesome though. A saga. We've had uh, we our own little saga, Infinity Saga, that is felt like an infin- infinity. Because this is uh,
1: another two-hour episode that God. we just hit. We, uh, we started this thinking <laughs> it was going to be
0: like a one, maybe two-episode thing, and now it's we're at the fourth episode. Um, I think I'm going to ask you this over question six hours um, to kind of sum it up um, a little bit, and I'll, I'll kind of give you the floor for a couple minutes. Um, I'd really just We kind of hit it earlier, but it would be really interesting for me to hear you and just kind of like broad strokes over... Kind of what Infinity uh, Saga meant to you, kind of what MCU means to you, and then also kind of your outlook and optimism slash pessimism on the future. I think for me, um, we've talked about it. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of been a staple of our childhood and growing up. It's is m- the main reason why we decided to make this the first cop topic of why we did it, it, uh, first yeah. topic of the podcast. Um, and the Infinity Saga has so many great memories from watching these films to anticipating them to talking about theories to, um, man, it was just like a staple yeah, of our chapters. dressing up for them. Yeah. yeah and, it uh, it's so exciting. Um, I yeah, think
1: it's, it's just, it's crazy. There, it, it, there is a lot of, um, nostalgia are always going to hold for me just cause you know, I, I think for there's like, once the point you hit adulthood, um, the years feel maybe a little more similar. I know it sounds depressing to say, but like there's just so much more going on. Uh, when you're in that child those childhood years you know from like middle school through high school and college and uh that's we basically got to live phase one through three during the really you know impressionable time of our lives uh which was really cool to me
0: yeah and,
1: and again you know i know I kind of touched on this on a previous episode like i grew up in the very early 2000s you know or 90s and 2000s watching these animated series for a lot of these shows and you know like x-men and spider-man and stuff but I also had all these old 70s and 80s comic books, and Harlan's actually seen them. I have several tubs of them. I mean, I think 800, 900 of them. And you uh, still starting have them? in actually two, I do. They're actually in my closet. I convinced my wife to let me keep them in the closet. So, nice. um, and then on top of that, you know, me and my brothers, two younger brothers, constantly got the action figures, the Marvel Legends. Oh, yeah. And I, I think I always told you that, but it was like such a crazy thing to me that this is, I still remember this was my birthday in 2003. Um, I'm sorry, 2002, uh, that my brothers and I, uh, I got Captain America as my very first Marvel action figure. Oh, my God. And my younger brother got Iron Man. And those were the first two action figures we ever Captain America American Iron Man. And so you got to imagine, like, and then from there, the collection just exploded. Every birthday and Christmas, that's what we wanted. We're like the new, the new series of them coming out. So, you know, then you got Thor and Hulk. Um, And then, you know, we got like Ant-Man and Black Panther and Doctor Strange. I mean, I'm not even joking. We probably have about 140, 150 of these guys, you know, and yeah, uh, it was because it was three of us and we're all three asking for them for birthdays and Christmas. So you're getting like, you know, six to 10 of them a year. Uh, But it was just it was this amazing thing for me. And I just remember like my little I was a little chubby child. And I had this little heart flutter when I heard that in 2000, 2007, that they were working on an Iron Man movie that's gonna be coming out in 2008. And it was just like this, like, oh, my God, like, it's I have this toy. I've had it for years and they're making a movie about them, you know, and it was so cool to me. And then all of a sudden this turned into this massive thing now where I've gotten to see all of these uh, movies through such these important years of my lives. And uh, with, you know, along with my, a lot of my life, you know, lifelong friends that, you know, you and Micah and all that and getting to go into these uh, these opening weekends. So, it, yeah, it, it, despite my critiques of these movies and maybe some of my um concerned with phase four going forward like the phase one through three is just such a uh, i would say even outside of media it's just like such an important part of my childhood as far as memories and and all the time we spent together watching these movies and talking about them uh so always gonna have a special place for me for sure
0: yeah i agree man i think you hit on a lot of the nostalgic elements which kind of gets us excited about this and you know for me um talking about being a harsh critic i think i am fairly pessimistic toward uh phase four and kind of moving forward um there have been glimmers of of hope and no way home and uh, Doctor strange Two, but i think the overarching theme i'm seeing with phase four and the new direction of marvel is honestly the loss of direction i kind of hinted on earlier is there's not that coherent theme of um a small subset of avengers moving toward um a larger goal it's kind of this whole conglomeration of um, new new characters and with an unsure direction and I'm worried that the the massive saturation of content is going to erode um, kind of the, the future of, of Marvel but you know I think we'll uh, keep coming back and it'll be interesting to see um, there's obviously great uh, artistic talent out there and some fresh eyes are going to be able to take some of these these stories and take them into new and creative directions so excited to see where those go
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I will say, regardless of what happens to Marvel from this point on, uh, we'll always have uh, the joys of phase one through three, you know, and uh, that nostalgia memory. So uh, this has been awesome, man. I'm so excited for this. And I can't wait to uh, start some of our other podcast uh, episodes and topics. So this has been absolutely great. But uh, I guess as always, thank you if you're tuning into the Kibbles and Boys podcast. uh, Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you again next time.
0: See you next time.